to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast. I am one of your hosts for this episode, Brittany Brombacher, joined by Christine Steimer. Oh, hello. It's us, just us. We have a very tiny show, but not in length in terms of people. Dang it, I don't have my doctor. I know, I was like, where's the pillow? It's it's over there where we left it from when you ladies Mm, came in last week. But like Steimer said, it is just me and Steimer this week. It's you and me. And, and our, all of the people. Wait, what's you know, the, what does he say? All of the people, I think. And all of the people. Wait, it's you and me I and all know. of the people? I don't that's, know. That's not very romantic at all. I don't. That must not be how it goes. I never stopped <laughs> <laughs> Show's already off the rails. Andrea is out of the country enjoying some much-needed R&R with the in-laws. So that leaves Steimer and I to hold down the fort for episode 69. Oh boy. Oh boy of the What's Good Games podcast. We're going to try to keep this on rails, but okay. We'll do our best, but and like I, yeah. I don't say that with any commitment, honestly. It's, it's like just, we are basically here's what we are cuz we've okay. mentioned we've we've coined or co-opted the term garbage truck on fire a lot from kind of funny. However, I mm-hmm. don't think that's what we are. What, what we are, are we? Is that level in Donkey Kong Country where you are on the cart and all of the rails just stop existing? <laughs> and so either you can jump and make it or you're just going to fall to your death. Those either are, way. Either way. I forget what that level is called. Minecart. Mine yeah, Minecart so, Madness maybe. So, I don't know. That sounds like a very Donkey Kong-esque level. So with all of that said... We are going to try to keep this, like I said, on the rails. Yes, we're going to try to keep madness. Nice, good job, go team. We're going to try to keep the sexual innuendos to a minimum. But other but than that, episode sixty-nine. It is. So we have to insert the obligatory nice. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. What is the what is the nice from? Is that quagmire? Probably no. Quagmire is giggity. Ah, uh, that's true. I don't know. Who is what, nice? I, don't, I don't know. Anyways, whatever. It's I don't fine. know. Anyways, don't moving know. on. Okay, social moving media. On. So social media. Before we get to that. I want to give a little disclaimer that because I only have two monitors in my room, ladies and gentlemen, the streaming room, if you will, I had to print out all of my notes. So if you hear papers shuffling, and by notes, I mean like the show notes. So if you hear papers shuffling, if seem, you know, things just seem a little off, just bear with me because I have like to a regular ass newsroom with yeah. two shuffling things in there. There you go. Listen, we're professional. We're legit. Look at That's you. How we- Look how professional you are. With I feel that. Pro- something about shuffling papers just makes you feel real good. Okay. Housekeeping. PAX West is officially over. Woohoo! Woohoo! We had a wonderful time. We will be talking about all things PAX in the third segment. What I want to say is if you attended our What's Good Games panel at the Hydra Theater on Sunday, we're going to cover a lot of the same stuff we talked about. We'll probably deep dive a little bit more. But if you want to watch that panel anyway, where we talk about uh, poop bags and Resident Evil 2 and boyfriends that turn into swords you can check that out at whatsgoodgames.com we have the archive of the panel there also i want to give a shout out to our social media because i feel like we have an awesome rad community and you should be a part of it so twitter.com slash what's good underscore games facebook.com slash what's good games subscribe to us on youtube youtube.com slash what's good games where you can watch simer and i doing our crazy antics that we tend to do and it's a good time 
And we have an awesome Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash what's good games. We've got 1700 listeners in there and they're awesome and rad and very, very cool. Another shout out to Rihanna, New, and Colin, who are members of our community who volunteered at our PAX West meetup with Square Enix to celebrate all things Life is Strange 2. We could not have done this without you. You three are rad and amazing, and we appreciate you spending your time to help us out. I mean, we did hook them up with some awesome swag, but you know. But like, that was super kind of you. Thank you. Yes, it's the least we can do. Twas much appreciated. I know. Gosh, does it feel like we're back from PAX? I don't know. I feel like we hit the ground running. I feel like I kind of want to crawl into a hole somewhere for a really long time. Mm-hmm. But PAX, thankfully, is, I think, well, we'll know in a bit if it's the last mate, like con-ish travel we have to do. We may have one more, may not. Yeah. Um, and that I would, I would look forward to it if this was the last one we had to do <laughs> for this year because I'm very tired. <laughs> You're looking forward to just kind of cuddling up with a blanket and a book and some games. Yeah, it's been a little bit chillier here um, for the past two days, which I'm kind of digging. And it just means that I snuggle up on the couch and I'm playing mm. veggie games and like having a good old time. That sounds lovely, says me, who's leaving for Europe this weekend. I'm going to be gone for two weeks. I'll be back September 28th, I think is the show. Well, I'll, I'll be back for that one. Anyway, it's going to be a good time. Looking also forward to doing some R&R with the fam, celebrating the one-year wedding anniversary already. Oh, oh my God. It's been a year already? Yeah, dude. 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 Time flies. Holy shit. I know. I thought you just got married. I know. I was just in Bora Bora. And there's this weird anniversary thing where it's like the first year you you celebrate, you have to get something to do with paper. Yes. I don't know. Okay. Paper is the first one. Jason and I just discovered this like two days ago, so we're scrambling. It'll be great. It'll be wonderful. Paper is the ticket that you got for the cruise. Done. <laughs> Let me just print out the receipt for yeah. this cruise, babe. <laughs> hey, 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 you know what? That's kind of cute. I mean, kind of, you know, it's a last resort. At least I have a good idea <laughs> if all else fails. <laughs> but like, tic- like don't, you don't have to think of like just a card or whatever. You can think of like tickets to things or mm-hmm. uh, art books, things art of books. that nature. Art books. Let me actually. I, I I do appreciate a good art book, especially the adult art books that they have these days. That sounds fun. Sounds real dirty. Uh, that does sound real dirty. I'm talking about like the Dragon Age ones that I got you. Those are real cool. That also sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. This week we are brought to you by Quip and Stitch Fix. But first, I'm going to tell you all about Quip. When you think of the things you do every day, brushing your teeth probably isn't top of mind. But for something that's so important to your health, it really should be. That's why Quip wants to help you brush better. So, what is Quip? Well, for starters, Quip is an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes. Also, there's this handy-dandy built-in timer that helps you clean for the dentist's recommended two minutes with guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. And if you're also a person of convenience like I am, Quip delivers new brush heads on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. They're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists and hundreds of thousands of happy brushers that use Quip every day. In fact, it's the first subscription electric toothbrush to be accepted by the American Dental Association. Steimer, I bet you didn't know that. I actually didn't. Now, now you did. <laughs> now I do. Now you, how are you liking your Quip? Uh, well, it's currently still at Andrea's because I accidentally left it there. <gasps> so I'm, I'm like been waiting. I've actually been really sad. Because I want to use this when I go travel places because it's way easier to mm-hmm. travel with. Um, 
but uh, it's just at sitting with Andrea. And I actually and asked her yeah. to bring it for me both times that I've seen her on other trips and she has forgotten as well. <laughs> so, wah, wah. You have to go back wah. to that manual. I almost did that motion. That manual brushing <laughs> again, which is so old and outdated. Don't do that. So lame. So lame. So Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash what's good right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with your Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash what's good. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com Flash, what's good? Take care of your teeth. They're important. Yes, please do. All right, Samer, we yes. have some news to get to, and you are excited to do this first one. I We're going to switch. Am, I am excited. Go, girl. So, Henry Cavill cast as Geralt in the Netflix yeah. Witcher series. So, Superman actor and human weapon. I like that. Sorry, this is also from Destructoid, this blurb that I'm reading. <laughs> I should give credit where it's due. And I also like that they described him as a human weapon. I know, me too. Because um, I don't know how accurate that is, but sure. Um, <laughs> Henry Cavill has long been teasing in his interest in playing Geralt of Rivia in Netflix's upcoming ad- adaptation of The Witcher. But only today has the casting become official. Both showrunner Lauren Schmidt Hisrich... Sure. Yeah. Uh, Marvel's Daredevil, Marvel's The Defenders, Umbrella Academy. Those are things she's worked on. And Cavill himself confirmed the news on social media. A press release from Netflix described the premise of the show, which will adapt the novels by Polish author. Oh, shit. I should know how to say this. This is why I'm so happy. You I should took know story. how to say his name, and I've fucking forgotten. Uh, Sapowski. Sapowski. I'm just going to say his last name because I don't know how to pronounce his first name. <laughs> Andres. Maybe. Andres Sapkowski. It's like Andre, but Polish. Um, so which in turn <laughs> inspired the video games of the same name. Uh, based on the best-selling fantasy series, The Witcher is an epic table, uh, epic tale of fate and family. Geralt of Rivia, a solitary monster hunter, struggles to find his place in a world where people often prove more wicked than beasts. But when destiny hurls him toward Toward a powerful sorceress, that's Yennefer, and a young princess with a dangerous secret. The three must learn to navigate the increasingly volatile continent together. I always forget that the world Geralt lives in is just called the continent. The continent. It's like, <laughs> lol. Uh, anyways, The Witcher will be eight episodes long with directors Alex Zakharov, uh, who has worked on House of Cards and Game of Thrones, Alex Garcia Lopez, who has worked on Marvel's Luke Cage and Utopia. And Charlotte Brandstrom from Outlander, Counterpart, and Disparu attached to helm these episodes. Yes. So, are you excited about this? Because I had a half second this morning when I saw this, and I was like, Henry is too pretty to play Geralt. But then I was like, but Geralt's actually pretty as well. Geralt is a very studly man. Yeah, I mean, like I've said many times, I don't know actors. I don't know film that well. So I, I some people are concerned based off of prior performances of his, I suppose. I if, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought, thought he was good. That's what I thought, too. But again, what do I know? Um, I think he looks great. And there, he's posted some photos to his Instagram where you can see where someone kind of shaped him into Geralt because he has talked about wanting to do this role before. Um, when he's speaking with IGN, a little bit ago, he said that he had replayed the game and that he was reading the novels. So I think he looks, I think he looks good. I mean, he looked good from what I saw. And yeah. I mean, makeup is an amazing, powerful thing. Dude, no, so like, so, um, one of the most, I will all say famous, most internet famous cosplayers of Geralt is this guy, uh, Maul, Maul cosplay. His name's Ben. Oh, he's so good. And 
he is one of the most good looking human beings I've ever seen in real life. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, you exist. Um, but the way that his wife, Maya, like transforms him with makeup is fascinating. So like she's made him into, she does his makeup for girls and for, well, for literally all of his cosplays. But like whenever I see her doing that one in particular, it is always like, whoa, whoa, you look real good. You look like really, that's so cool. Like it's very cool how this works. And with, with, um, I don't remember what it's called, but the stuff that you use to make scars, Mm -hmm. uh, which obviously he will need to have. So I'm looking forward to this. Um, because I do think Henry Cavill is a good actor. And I think, I guess I, the only, I mean, it's not even really a concern because he can, you can change your body, but like his Superman body to me would be a little bit too beefy mm-hmm. for a Geralt. Like Geralt's not a massive human being. No, he, he's, he's nicely toned and muscular, yes. but he's not like, oh, I'm Superman. He's not a beast. Yeah, exactly. And the cool thing about Henry Cavill is that he does play video games. I mean, from what we've heard, he's talked about playing Skyrim. In fact, he was playing World of Warcraft when he got the phone call. Did you hear about this? That he no. had gotten the role of Superman and he saw the call coming in, but you know, you can't pause World of Warcraft. So he just let the call go to voicemail and he knew exactly who it was that was calling him. And then he called him back after he finished doing whatever he was doing in World of Warcraft, which I thought was pretty funny. I mean, he uh, better have, he must have been in like a raid because literally anything yeah. else you can just get on your mount and like fly up and nothing would harm you nothing would harm you yeah he must have been in the middle of some important business yes. also the showrunner tweeted this on september 4th he was my first meeting i didn't have writers or scripts yet just a green light and a lot of passion that was four months ago and i've never forgotten the passion he brought he is Geralt. he's always been i'm so thrilled to welcome henry cavill to the witcher family also, when Henry Cavill announced this on his Instagram, he put his um, address as Geralt, Kara Vesemir, Kara Morin. Like, he did all, like, these, oh, like, yeah. But, oh, but. <laughs> I know Vesemir. I, I know. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, that's. It's a touchy, touchy subject. But I guess I feel comfortable. I feel like he knows Geralt. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's played the games. He's obviously very excited about it. So I think he'll be fine. There were people in the Facebook uh, What's Good Games fan page group that were concerned because they said he looks a little young and but you can age people up real well no for sure and not only that i mean witchers are strange right Geralt's what 100 years old i think yeah i mean games the way age works in general in that universe is a little like um so because not only that the sorceresses are also very old but are said to use magic to make themselves appear younger Mm -hmm. uh and yeah given all of the things that witchers go through body wise like it He'll be fine. Yeah. They'll figure it out. Gerald doesn't look incredible. He looks maybe like in his 40s or 50s to me in the games. I know that's not how old he is. But like to me, if I looked mm-hmm. at him, I, that's what I would th- I'd be like. You're like 45, maybe pushing 50. Maybe. I'm trying to think because in Witcher 3, he's definitely aged. I mean, he yes. looks aged. Now, I don't know lore-wise if necessarily he has aged between Witcher and Witcher 3. Yeah. Because the, the graphics weren't all that wonderful. Obviously, it's an older game. They're fine, but they don't have the attention to detail that they do now. He looks much younger in those first two games, obviously. So, you know, who knows? And plus, like, this isn't based off of the games anyway. This is based off the novels. So. Yeah. And not only that, like, Henry Cavill's not, like, 22. I'm pretty sure yeah. he's my age. I don't know. I don't oh, know how he? old Geralt is in the novel. I don't know. We don't know these things. However, all I'm trying to say is I think he's going to be. He is wonderful. 35. 
Oh. So they only really need to age him 10-ish years visually. Obviously, again, as we've mentioned, witchers have weird ages. Um, and I think that that is totally doable. Maybe he can just work in the video game industry for a few years. That'll happen real quick. Hey, oh. sailor. <laughs> Would you like to come on our podcast? Please. I have questions Please. for you. No, I mostly desperately just want to like... Hi. Anyway. Um, anyway, moving yes, on. Speaking of on. video game industry stuff. I mean, that really wasn't a good segue, but it kind of worked. Polygon <laughs> is dropping <laughs> dropping scored reviews. Now, if you go to Polygon.com, they have a very, very long, like, three-page-esque statement on this whole thing. So I just kind of picked some paragraphs that I thought were good and relevant. They're all good and relevant, but these ones are good for the story. Yeah. So here we go. Games have changed since we launched Polygon. We're changing with them. We believe that a new strategy focusing on criticism and curation will better serve our readers than the serviceable, than the serviceable but ultimately limited reviews rubric that for decades has functioned as a load bearing pillar of most game publications. I feel like that was a mouthful. As part of, as part of this evolution, Polygon will no longer score reviews. At the same time, we recognize that review scores have served a purpose. We don't see this decision as a stance against scores. They aren't inherently bad. In fact, they can be very helpful in their efficiency. We don't want to abandon or shame readers who traditionally rely on scores for their brevity and old, how do you say? And old utilitarian. Old, old, thank you. That was a hard one function. That's what she said. <laughs> I <laughs> Not just, every- no, I'm laughing at the way they're like, we don't want to abandon or shame readers. And then they use words like brevity and utilitarian. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that using those words alone is sort of like disc, disc, <laughs> disc, disc. Not everybody has the time to read a 3000 words about a new game or even 300 about an old one or even the time to finish this paragraph. See, solution- like that just reads to me as like highly sarcastic. <laughs> I love you. Our solution is a program we're calling Polygon Recommends. To help readers who are short on time know what to play, we will now include the Polygon Recommends badge on essays about games that we strongly believe most of our readers should play or watch. It is not a final verdict on a game, nor does it suggest we have played every moment of what that game has to offer. Instead, the Polygon Recommends badge is a statement that we've played enough of the game to feel comfortable putting our support behind it. When a game receives the badge, it will appear at the top of the essay, review, or video. Some games will receive it, many won't. What now? When a game is released, we may publish impressions of the early hours. We might highlight a small but unexpected detail. Maybe we'll provide a guide to help you navigate the opaque opening moments. It's likely we'll publish something very similar to the classic review every now and then. For the games our audience care about the most, for the games our audience cares about the most, expect a hodgepodge of all these things and other ideas too. Now, again, I want to just put this out there that I did pick and choose certain paragraphs that I feel like kind of got their point across. So if it does come across a little snooty, that could be my bad. No, but. it wasn't even that. It was just the way that they literally worded those la- that last. Like it's it's what it to me read like how sometimes I'll be like, I'm not judging you, but I'm judging you. Like I'm judging you. A little bit of that is how it came across to me. Like, oh, we, you might not have time to read all this or even finish this paragraph. You're like, okay. <laughs> so it kind of rubbed you the wrong way. So let's, no, let's it didn't get- even really like it, it doesn't, especially because when the way you delivered it was much mm. more kind. Aww. <laughs> I feel like with the Brit filter on it, it's totally the Brit good. Filter. I love that Brit but, filter and Steimer filters are like things that we have now. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I was just like kind of chuckling to myself, but, uh, mm-hmm. I think this is interesting. And I also think it's interesting because this means that they won't have a presence on Metacritic anymore. Mm-hmm. 
So, dear WGG patron Dave says, Hey, Britain Sammer, in the past you two have reviewed many games. How do you feel about scored reviews? Are they helpful? Do they make sense for today's market? Thanks for all you do. As somebody who used to review games on IGN, I absolutely detested giving them a score. It was my least favorite thing about the job. I don't care how many events they sent me to, how many games they forced me to play. The worst part of it was assigning a number to the game. Uh, because I just, I didn't know. And so how I would handle a lot of my reviews, I think there was like only a handful of exceptions. One being the Red Dead Undead Nightmare DLC, which I just said, I was like, this is a 10. Like, I just fucking knew. It's like, this is a 10. <laughs> but um, anything else, I would just write my thoughts on the game and then I would give somebody else what I had written and I would say to you, what does this read like? Um, And then they would say, "Uh, here's sort of like the range that this sounds like it's in. And then I would pick a number and put it on the site. Like it's not, there's no actual science to it, which is why it bothers me. And it's, I mean, it's always so subjective and I, I really just want to be, I kind of like the way Kotaku does it where it's like, Kind of a thumbs up, thumbs down. Here are some like general highlight overviews of mm-hmm. what I really liked or what I really didn't like. And that's it. Like you don't need a score because honestly, people just get too fixated on the score and they debate the score way too much. Like, oh, this game got this number, but this game got this other number. Like there are two different games reviewed by two different people in two different like environments. Yes. Mm-hmm. They are two different numbers. I don't know. Anyways, um, No, I completely agree with you. I've also reviewed games on my YouTube channel, and I never use a point system because I feel like it doesn't make much sense. And I say that because I feel like to get the real feel of a a review, uh, you have to actually read or listen to the content because I might give something um, a 7 out of 10. And the reason I docked three points from it was because I didn't like the story or the character progression. Steimer might give it a 7 out of 10, but she might dock three points because she didn't like the level design or she didn't, she had issues with the combat. So giving a score to a game, I feel like you have to, that's why probably Metacritic exists, right? You have to get the average of all of these scores together to get it at a glance view. But I just, I've never been a fan of scored reviews. Now I understand the efficiency of them and I understand that, you know, especially when you have games like God of War, who's get, which is getting tens out of tens and 9.5s out of tens and even Spider-Man, which has an average of 88 on Metacritic right now. I get that those are exciting numbers to promote and brag about, but I, it, it also has a downside because I feel like, again, if I were to give a game a seven out of 10, I feel like people would be turned off by that. But when a 7 out of 10 necessarily isn't necessarily a bad game, maybe it just had a couple of hiccups. I don't know. Yeah, it's no, just- totally. And then the other element to this is that I personally just detest Metacritic and scores only because of what it does to developers. And mm-hmm. so a lot of larger publishers, I can't speak for all of them, but there have definitely been articles like that have come out before uh, where there are bonuses tied to a Metacritic score. And, like, to me, that just is such a bummer, like, for you to be like, well, because these people didn't like X, Y, or Z quality, now, I don't know. The whole thing just rubs me the wrong way. Like, Mm -hmm. do it based on sales. Also, numbers are meaningless. (laughs) Like, they just are. Like, if you, we always- You mean, like, scores? 
Yes. Well, okay. obviously. Like, I math, mean, I, math is a real thing. I was like, okay, first, I thought you were talking about sales, and I was like, wait a minute. No way. Oh, no, She's no, just no, talking no. about squares. I'm yeah, talking about very score numbers. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I guess numbers, numbers are meaningless is not what I meant to say. <laughs> numbers have numbers. a purpose for sure. Um, just to me, not necessarily attached to a game. Um, mm-hmm. I also think it's interesting where I think Giant Bomb just is stars, uh, sort of similar to movies, but, I think we're, for me, I've moved out of the part of my life where I care about what other people are saying about a game and not what they're saying about it. That's probably, I should, re- I should rephrase that too. <laughs> but in general, I'll look at the ma- the conversations happening versus yeah. just what are the scores. Like until you just told me Spider-Man scores, I did not know what they were. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely, I was thinking about this. When was the last time I actually read a review? I was like, I don't even remember. Cause I feel like social media is kind of that thing, right? Where you, you can listen to the buzz or you see the buzz people are generating. And those 140, or 240, I guess now, character tweets from people that you've grown to form a professional relationship with, you learn to trust those. And that kind of gives you a feel. Um, also, like, games aren't completed products that launch anymore, right? So, Correct, yeah. If you launch a game and there's some major bugs or there's some issues with the online connectivity, can you dock a game? Can you dock scores? Yeah. No, sorry. Continue. Your, oh, your oh okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, so if you, if you, if a game comes out, I think, um, you know, a game comes out and there's a lot of issues with it and you give it like a seven or a six out of 10 and then those issues are patched a year later or even six months later or three months later, is your score still relevant or is it not that you gave that game? Yeah. So, what, oh, sorry. I thought you were. No, I'm, I'm done, baby girl. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, so, as you were talking, I was like, I actually feel like games are the only media that change mm. that I can think of. Because so movies, if you and I those. sit down and watch a movie, it's the same movie together. Whereas if you and I play a game, I might have bugs. You might not. I might play a certain way. You might miss some of the content because you play a different way. Like their games are just so unique mm-hmm. in that space that I don't, I think generalizing them with a score just doesn't do anybody any favors. It doesn't do the reader a favor because it really doesn't tell you much. Mm-mm. It doesn't do, I mean, it tells you like, is this game hot garbage or not? Like that's literally it. Yeah. And for the, and for the most part, a lot of reviewers don't use the whole score or not the whole score, the whole uh, scale, which then just means like, okay, so from between, and that's why, as you were mentioning earlier, people think seven is bad. It's because the whole scale is not getting used, really. So all you have is like seven and up. And when you only have seven and up, seven's bad because it's the lowest. <laughs> I know, and that's so shitty. Because <laughs> I like, feel like, yeah. No, when I reviewed at IGN, I think I gave a game a 1.5. Like, I hey. used that scale. I used the <laughs> scale. I was not afraid of the scale. Um, but I mean, there's just like a lot of issues that obviously I could talk a lot about, but right. I think the ideal review for me, if I were a consumer would be, even this is something I would use in in my life today is, you know, like write out, you know, your review, how many paragraphs you want to use, whatever that's on you, maybe a few photos. But then at the end, I think you were saying Kotaku does this, um, put like three highlights, three lowlights, and then that I feel like would tell me all that I need to know. Because if your low lights are, you know, combat or something, 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 I can brush those off. But if your complaints are bad story development, boring characters, I'm like, oh, that's a concern of mine. Yes. Yes. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. I really, really like the way Kotaku does it for that reason. Because, yeah, 
I don't really want to read your 3,000 words on this game. I just, I don't. Um, I'm going to play it probably anyway. So I appreciate that box that I was just talking about that you were just talking mm-hmm. about. Like, mm-hmm. because it does just give you the most general overview of here are the main points of concern. So you can align that with your own personal points of concern and see if they match or not. Um, I think that that is infinitely more helpful than saying this game got an eight. Now, do you think scores will ever go away? No. Well, mm, no, I think, well, they might only in the sense that the uh, larger sites are starting to dwindle or continuing to dwindle. Those Mm -hmm. last couple are like hanging on. But uh, as we've kind of seen the rise of the influencer. Yeah, I, I think eventually, you know, eventually maybe. But then the other problem is you mean just like scores from a credited site or do you mean scores in general because i don't think steam's going to remove numbers from their reviews right i'm talking do you think ign will ever go away from that that sort of thing i don't think ign will they're far too Mm -hmm. stubborn um i don't know that ign or GameSpot will but Mm -hmm. i do uh obviously things like polygon and kotaku are already shaking it up but also now now i'm like what else is there i'm like (laughs) i don't think of the other there are so many <laughs> oh my times God. are changing, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, it's something that we thought about because obviously we talk about games, although we don't really review games. It would be nice to have on a commercial, what's good games, gave it five steel bandos out of five. It would be oh, nice. Oh, that'd be cute. But no, I mean, I think if the thing we could we could shoot for, Brit, which will never happen because, again, our podcasts come out after the games come out and all the marketing stuff is decided beforehand, um, unless it's like a game of the year edition. But we can be those box quotes Oh, I did. Yeah. That'd be like Stammer's quote. Yeah. Bang. Great banging. All right. Speaking, speaking of, of banging or lack thereof. Yes. Anthem and demo. Oh, oh or, you wait. Got this. Cause you did the other one. Oh, we're switching off. I forgot. Continue. Oh, wait, but then, it's fine. Anyways. Uh, Anthem demo releases for PS4, Xbox One, and PC in February, the month of love, even though there is no love in this game. Uh, or at least no physical love. Um, <laughs> So this comes from GameSpot. EA has announced that it will make a VIP demo for BioWare's Anthem available to EA slash Origin Access subscribers to Xbox One and PC, respectively, on February 1st, 2019. The demo will also be available to pre-order customers, which opens the door for PS4 players to get in on the action. The announcement was made during the studio's PAX West panel. Anthem lead producer Mike Gamble said the demo is, quote, not a tech test or beta looking for feedback and it is said a quote slice of our game so we knew this as well we talked about this on our pax west panel uh Mm. because we saw like a preview basically of their panel um and so other things that we learned from the media briefing were that missions will not be locked due to quote-unquote bad choices but we don't know what the consequences are they did say the word consequences they have said there will be choice and consequence, but... Yeah, so this is something you talked about on the PAX panel, and it's a great point, because what they're trying to do, what BioWare's trying to do here, is they're they're making sure that everyone can participate in the multiplayer action. So yeah, what that which means I is totally you, get. you can't lock out uh, missions, and so... The, the problem, the, the issue that we're, that Simon's bringing up is, well, okay, well, if you have an NPC who's a mission giver, and I really piss them off, what are my consequences going to be if it's not if you're not going to restrict me on content that I could further explore in the game. 
I mean, I think for those, the mission givers, I think what it's going to be is your quote unquote choice is going to be severely lacking. It's going to be like, you can be minorly rude to them or not. I think, you know, like this mm-hmm. just basic, this is, this is my speculation because I can't see a world where you are able to like, Slap someone across the face, and then they continue to give you missions, right? Fine, just, you can have this mission. Yeah, even though you just slap me across the face. Yeah. So, yeah. So, something I was thinking is, I wonder if you're going to have obviously Bioware's keeping kind of tight lipped about this, but if you're going to have a wide variety of um, characters outside of these integral folks, like the mission givers, you might have some random lesser important NPCs and maybe those people you can piss off and you'll suffer some consequences. Maybe they'll leave your game, or maybe something will happen. Yeah, but, I, yeah, but they weren't they weren't specific, which right. um, I kind of wish they would have been about at least one example. Mm-hmm. They don't, you don't have to tell me everything. It's nice to jump in there and figure things out on your own. But because uh, the other thing to note, um, so I feel like we're jumping all over the place. <laughs> I apologize. Is that when they what they showed was uh, the conversations from now in this game will only be binary. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yes. So there's two options. Uh, I was like, is this the correct term? Uh, so you so can smart. choose right trigger or left trigger. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. So I imagine your personalities, um, you can't have like a wide variety of personalities. So for instance, I'm thinking of Dragon Age 2, where like you had the like sarcastic option, you had the kind option, you had the angry mm-hmm. option. These mm-hmm. two are more like, which question are you going with? I don't, the, they showed us only about two to three examples. Right. Um, so almost nothing compared to how large the game theoretically is. But from them, I didn't get a whole lot of tone necessarily, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, well, yeah it, for sure. They weren't drastically different. It wasn't like one's the asshole option, one's the nice option. They were just two different ways of going about a conversation, which is kind of interesting, actually. It's interesting to move away from... This is good. This is bad. And more into, well, what do you want to ask them? What, what do you want to know? I think that that's kind of fascinating, actually. And I'll, uh, I mean, I don't know. I kind of wish they would stay away from the word consequences because I honestly don't know how much that's going to be. But I do think that it's an interesting, uh, path to go down to be like, well, these will become more natural conversations because you'll be thinking less about trying to match up with mm-hmm. being a, to bang like someone. a renegade or a paragon or whatever, like I play this and you'll be more interested in actually focusing on the conversation and listening to what the person is saying and figuring out where you want to move from there. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because we want to know so much. So we're all just speculating the shit out of all of this. Uh, but it's interesting because when a, when a de- developer like Bioware uses the word consequence, I mean, we think of Mass Effect, we think of Dragon Age, but they have explicitly said we are not trying to make another Mass Effect. We are not trying to create another Dragon Age. This is Anthem, and Anthem is different. Anthem is almost geared toward uh, an RPG noob-esque audience, right? Which is why they've said they are using the, the binary, to use a quote from <laughs> Steimer, the binary choices. And I think it's important that they push this message because... If this wasn't a Bioware game, would we be so hung up on the lack of banging? Would we be so hung up on the the lack of consequences? I mean, we don't know. Maybe the consequences will happen in your single-player story, and we just don't know about it yet, which is also an option. But it's interesting messaging right now, and I'm sure it's sort of frustrating for them because 
if you're Bioware, you have a legion of very, very devoted fans who are expecting so much from you based off of all the amazing things you've created in the past. But they're being really great about doing AMAs, and especially on Twitter, I feel like one of them is always doing Do Mark, Mark Dara, oh, yeah. or Dara? Is it Dara? 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 I would say Dara. Um, he is always on Twitter, at, like, answering questions. So that's mm-hmm. super highly appreciated. Um, and then the last point, one of the last points here is you can play a previously completed mission with your friends, but you can't hop forward, which does, it sucks, but also makes sense, right? Like, right. and they, and I think Gamble was like, you know, we keep going back and forth on this. We're not sure where we're going to land yet. And I feel them like, it's hard because you don't, it wouldn't make any sense. In a story, right? In a story for them to be there. But then it also sucks when you're like, hey, I don't even care about your story. I just want to play with my friends so it's it's yeah. hard it's a, it's a hard thing to navigate it, it is and i'm kind of at a point where i mean we'll obviously continue to cover anthem but all i know is i want this game so bad and i'm very excited to play it since we played it at e3 summer and it was so much fun um but i feel like the more we hear about it it gets a little bit more confusing and i'm sure that's just because they're trying to keep some stuff tight-lipped and i understand but i think either it's way confusing because they are trying to toe the line of this is a Bioware game and what you are used to, but it's also not. Right. And I think that's where people are like, but what? Because like we, what we know of you is so different. And so when you use them as an example to pivot off of, or you use words that you've used prior, like our ears perk up, we're like banging. We are like, what does this mean? Yeah. In relative terms so what i do find interesting um that is not in here but they did say so mark and uh mike were talking about um how prior they said that the dlcs uh for things like mass effect and dragon age were a bit watered down in the sense that you could kind of do them whenever you wanted in the story so therefore they had to make sure that the characters characters made sense However, what they didn't mention, and what I would have liked to have asked, but we had to run to another appointment. Um, so, Gamble or Mark, if either of you are listening, please let us know. Uh, is, does this mean it will be more along the lines of Trespasser? Because they never mentioned Trespasser, and I wanted to interrupt them and be like, but Excuse Trespasser, me? though, because I... Because they were like, yeah, we never have had, like, a DLC that's, like, done this thing. And I'm like, yes, you have. You had a brilliant piece of DLC called Trespasser. Did you forget? Um, Because that was probably my favorite piece of DLC from Bioware. Because it did extend on the story. And because the characters grew and changed. And there was actual consequence. Depending on what you did for characters like Iron Bull. Iron Bull is a vastly different character depending on what you do, and it makes sense. And it's cool. Like, that shit's cool. So if you're telling me that this game is going to have anything remotely that level of, like, continuation of story once this is complete, I'm down. I'm into it. I mean, let's be real. You're already down and you're already into it. Well, yes. But I'm just saying, like, those are the kind of things that I think that they should highlight and focus on and be like, hey, we'd like to do stuff like you saw in trespasser in that it moved the story forward the characters have a differing opinion based off what you've done like mm-hmm. no for sure i get it trespasser yeah. egghead that oh my bastard. god egg can die egghead also worth noting in case you missed it story dlc for anthem will be free 
Good news. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there you go. And no loot boxes. Hooray! Uh, I mean, uh, we all saw that coming. Moving on. We, uh, Steimer and I had a moo off in our, uh, oh. Patreon pre-show live stream. We, we mooed to each other back and forth many times. So I'm kind of compelled to continue that going, but she's not into it. So I, I will. just, I did a moo. What are you Oh, I missed about? it. It's, it's Skype. Skype yeah. sometimes cuts you off and it makes me sad. All right. There is a Nintendo Direct happening tomorrow. Wah, September wah. 5th. We are recording no, September 6th. 6th. Today is the 5th. Correct. So that was confusing. So unfortunately, we can't cover it. And if this wasn't so late in the afternoon, I would say maybe I could insert a little thing where I talk about the things that were announced, like we did with Red Dead Redemption. However, it's just not going to be possible. Wait, so when I is can, it happening tomorrow? It's late? Like, like 3 p.m. or Uh-oh. something. But the problem is, is to, to upload this video to YouTube, it's probably take at least eight hours because my internet's kind of crappy. So I got to get on the ball. Anyway, yeah. so I can make some predictions about what... We will see, and you can laugh at me when I'm wrong. So, the first thing I think we're absolutely going to have to see is Nintendo Switch Online, because, Christine Steimer, this is yeah. supposed to launch this month, and oh. we don't know anything about it, minus the price, minus the fact that we're going to get 30 NES games with online multiplayer connectivity, and there are going to be cloud saves. There might be a few other small details in there that might... I might not be mentioning right now, but we know close to nothing about Nintendo's online service. So I'm hoping we hear something on that tomorrow. I mean, it would make sense. I can't see them holding another direct this month just for that alone. Yeah. I mean, what else would they be talking about? Well, Smash Brothers. But they just did one, didn't they? Yeah, but there's going to be more. I I would. I mean, there's going to be more, but like this close. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yes. I, I would. I would bet my left ovary. That we're going to hear something on Smash Brothers tomorrow, be it a new stage, be it oh, um, sure. some new characters. But it's not going to be. Do you think it'll be only Smash? But here's oh, no, my... no, 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 no. It's going to be no, no, no. So the, the direct is about it's a worldwide direct about Switch and 3DS games. So it's uh, covering a wide variety of th- stuff. Things you are the Nintendo person. I default to you. No, no, it's all good. There's room for everyone's opinion here. Um, and I think I, w- I would like to see something about that mystery mode that we saw in the last Smash Direct, which translated into, like, spirits or something like that. Someone decoded it. And the thought is that this is going to be the single-player experience. I really freaking How so. much are you going to, like, lose your shit if there is no single-player? I How much would I would lose almost 99% of my shit? <laughs> there is no okay. single player mode. I would be very, very, okay. very upset by it. I would still play the crap out of Smash Brothers, but that would just be really dumb. They're not going to do that, right? Nintendo, you want to do that, would you? I don't know. They might. They might. No, they won't. Cause I, no, I, no, I am, I, <laughs> I am, like that you're like, no, they couldn't possibly. <laughs> I am standing firm. I believe in you, Nintendo. Sometimes you make very strange decisions, but I love you regardless. So please don't let me down. You're not going to let me down. I believe in you. Uh, Bayonetta 3 is something we haven't seen of in a long time. And I really like that. I forgot. Bay- yeah. 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 It was premiered. Gosh, I think it was the Game Awards 2017. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. And I don't know if we've seen anything since then. At least I haven't heard anything since then. So Bayonetta 3, there's going to be, I think, some Pokemon stuff. Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu. Snooze. Oh, Simon, you're killing me. I know. I'm sorry. I just want the new Pokemon. I got to wait for that, though. This is, this I am is waiting. Appetizer. I, this is me sitting here waiting. Gotta wait longer, baby girl. Um, there is a, uh, gosh, 
the director of Pokemon is meeting up and there's some Japanese television show. I don't really know the details. All I know, he's making an appearance on it to talk about Pokemon on September 9th, I think it is. So we might not hear a lot. Yeah, so we don't hear a lot tomorrow. There's a chance we'll hear more then, but I still think we'll see something tomorrow. Um, Mario Party Switch is coming out next month. And I feel like we should probably learn a little bit more about that. So I expect that to make an appearance. I know Luigi's Mansion on 3DS will be there. Yay. Uh, just, let, the just, let the, just let the 3DS die gracefully. And it is. It is dying gracefully. It just, or like, put them on both. Put it on both. But we talked about this. Finally, the pipe dream Animal Crossing on Switch. I would think don't think they would more. do that in a, in a direct. They would wait. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I feel like I have no, Nintendo figured out. Here's my batshit crazy prediction. It's going to be the Game Awards, and it's going to be Chrissy Teigen coming out on stage to announce <laughs> Animal Crossing for Switch. Okay, until Animal, because cause that was an E3 prediction of ours, and clearly yes. that didn't happen. So every no. convention that comes down the pike, <laughs> yep. if she ha- if Animal Crossing hasn't been announced, it's eventually going to happen. So after after the Game Awards, it'll be what, PAX East? No, I guess that was. Yes. She pro- yeah, okay. So Christy Teigen will make her appearance. Anyway, I think we'll probably see something from Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Torna, and Yoshi. But those are my little Britstradamus predictions. Ooh, you like, like that? I do. I like that. Hey, thanks, Simmer. Um, is there anything that you would like to see no. besides Pokemon? No, I want, I want the new Pokemon. I would like more of their 3DS games on my Switch. Uh, and that's pretty much it for yeah. now. I mean, I, I'm always one of those people that, I, especially for the Switch, I never know what I want, but Nintendo just tells me. They just and give it's it to nice. you. They're like, here's the thing. And I'm like, yeah, that'll yeah, do. Here. That'll do. That'll do yeah. just great. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Um, also, Pipe Dream, which I don't think, I don't think we'll, we'll see this during the direct. I want to see something about the N64 classic. Or rumors, a Game Boy classic. You know, like the NES, Super NES. Wait, how do you but, make the Game Boy smaller? Well, I mean, the Game Boy, the Game Boy is bigger than the classic, uh, classic little systems right now. I know, but like, making it smaller, the screen would be stupid. Wait, the thing you plug into the TV? It doesn't matter if it's small. A Game Boy Classic, like an NES Classic, Super NES Classic. Yeah, but I don't think of a Game Boy as a thing I plug into a TV. I think of a Game Boy as a thing that I want to function on its own. You never because that's super, how the Game Boy worked. You never had a Super Game Boy. But I no, don't believe I any of those announcements were ever made during a Direct. So probably not going to happen. Doubt it. Anyway. Well, this is all for naught because I don't know what the hell is going to happen. But hopefully nobody does. Nobody I mean, knows. They do. The people who they work do. at Nintendo do. But I know. All right, ladies and gentlemen. That will wrap up our news section, a.k.a. segment one. Stay with us. We have some Spidey, some Spidey action to talk about next segment we've been playing a lot of it we'll be right back welcome back ladies and gentlemen to the what's good games podcast this episode is also brought to you by stitch fix yes indeed it is so stitch fix for those of you who do not know is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. So just go to stitchfix.com slash what's good, tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you'd like to spend on each item. 
You'll be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick five items to send right to your door. Then you try them on, pay only for what you want to, only for what you love, and then you get to return the rest. So shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. There's no subscription required. So you can sign up to receive scheduled shipments or get your fix whenever you want. Uh, Stitch Fix's styling fee is only $20, which is applied towards anything you get to keep from your shipment. So, Brittany, you just got your first Stitch Fix in. So maybe, maybe, now your closet, which is currently full of nothing but video game t-shirts, hopefully that will get a nice little upgrade. Tell us uh, what you got. Uh, yeah, so... Steinmer and Andrea were just over last week and they saw my closet and like she said, it's full of video game t-shirts and tank tops, which hey, I love clearly because I have a closet full of them. However, when it comes to actual shopping for what some would deem fashionable clothes, I have no clue what I'm looking for. So Stitch Fix sent me some really cute, like maroonish jeans that if I had seen them in a store, I wouldn't have picked them out for myself. But because they sent them, I was like, okay, I'll try them. They're a little higher cut. And I was like, yeah, we'll see. Tried them on. Love them. Sent some really cute heels, shoes that I... What? What? I know. That's what I'm saying. And so I kept those two things. And then the other three things I just wasn't super sure about. So what's nice because they send you a prepaid bag. Just put all your stuff back in and you ship it right back. And then you're done with it. And then they charge you, like like she said, for the things you that you want to keep. I love it. It's it's very convenient for me because I walk into a store and I'm like, what what is all of this? I don't know what's in, I don't know what's hip these days. Fashion can be in, extremely intimidating because it's changing all of the time. You don't necessarily know what looks good on your body type. Uh, like, there's just so many factors. So yeah, I love that there was something in there that you were like, I would have never in a million years picked this, but I actually really like it. So if you are curious about Stitch Fix, I can't speak, uh, get started right now at stitchfix.com slash what's good and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. So that is stitchfix.com slash what's good to get started today. Stitchfix.com slash what's good. Woohoo! All right. We are going to be talking about Marvel's Spider-Man, because we have been playing Marvel Spider-Man. Huge shout out to PlayStation. Thank you for providing the review code for us. We have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. All right, Steimer. Yes. yes. Lay it on me, baby girl. Spider-Man. 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 I, yes, whatever. I've just been really enjoying my time with this game. I've played it. Um, oh, this will all be spoiler free, by the yes. way. Yes. I'm not going to tell worry. you anything that you wouldn't want to know, hopefully. But, no. um... <laughs> So I've been playing this for the past two days straight, pretty much. I actually moved my flight up from Seattle back here so that I would have more time with it. And I got to say, money well spent. <laughs> like yeah. It was, it's been really sort of relaxing in a nice way because you, the way you swing through the city, the way he is animated and he's just so kind of carefree about it. Like, he's just doing flips on his yeah. own as he's going through. And you're like, yeah, no big deal. Just swinging through Manhattan. This is cool. Um, so there's definitely that that I like. I like the combat a lot. I think I'm still personally getting used to using the gadgets that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, so I like I like the traversal. I like the combat. Um, I'm really digging the story, which obviously we won't 
talk about really. Uh, but I really like the characters in it and I particularly enjoy, um, so it's not really a spoiler. MJ's in the game, but, uh, I really like the, what they've done with their, the relationship between Peter and MJ and MJ. My voice like slightly went out at the very end of that sentence. It was weird. Peter, 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 Peter. Yeah. I, so I've, I've talked about this on this show numerous times. I wasn't sure how I would like Spider-Man. I'm not the biggest superhero fan. I know close to nothing about Spider-Man lore and games that take place in cities tend to lose me. However, I have, I was completely knocked off guard. Is that, is that the saying? Caught off guard. Thank you. I wasn't knocked off anything. I was caught off guard <laughs> <laughs> by how much I'm enjoying this game. It's the kind of game that I wake up early to play and the kind of game I think about when I before I fall asleep. I just want to keep playing it. And I am collecting everything, which I usually hate collecting in video games. It feels unnecessary. But in this game, it's I like doing all the side activities because I feel like you learn more about Peter Parker by doing so. You know, if every time you collect something, he has a fun little quip or there's some lore tidbit that's thrown in there that you're like, oh, that's really interesting. I just learned something new about this universe I'm exploring. And I very well could platinum this game, which would be my very first platinum. Like, I I don't know what happened. I did not see this coming. I never saw it coming. <laughs> and swinging, swinging through the city, like you said, it, it's just so fun. And it took me, you know, I would say like a couple minutes to get used to it. And then you kind of get down with the rhythm of it. And you, then before you know it, you're just soaring through. You know, you're diving, you're chasing pigeons everywhere. Oh, God, the pigeons. So much fun. Yeah, so I will say I've uh sometimes hit like a, a little like some snafus with the traversal only in that I find it overcorrect sometimes. Like I'm like, Oh, I want to go there. But then you're like, shit. Like I, I accidentally like did the thing where you boost off and then you're like headed in an opposite direction. So you're like, got to yeah. turn this, got to turn the ship around. It's never a big deal, but I definitely find moments where I'm like, damn it, Peter. <laughs> That's not what you're supposed to That's do. That's not where I told you to go. It's not where I want you to be. Be over here. Just land. Just get to the ground. Yeah, um, and the city is so beautiful. It's just this game is so beautiful. I don't know. I again, not. I was not expecting any of this. Even the attention to detail when you're when you're climbing a skyscraper and you can see inside the building. Now, granted, there's like four or five different reused levels that are designs that they use for the rooms inside the building, but you can sure. see through the glass and see these rooms and it's just little details like that that's just like holy crap they went there you know they could have very well just put uh, a, a glossy window tint or something but they actually took the time to put rooms in there and those are the kind of things i pay attention to and it's yeah just, yeah yeah no it's nice and i uh although so i didn't I haven't been super following it but i guess i've been like sort of seeing rumblings on twitter of people talking about People said the graphics looked bad or something. What? And I was kind of confused by that. Oh, oh, are you talking about Puddlegate? I don't know. The puddle's oh God. just stupid. But no, I thought there was more, but I, I also didn't want to dig into it because I was like, no. I don't know what you're talking about. I have this game and it looks fine. Uh, I'm also playing on the PS4 Pro. Just, mm-hmm. and I think you are as well, right? I am, yeah. Um, uh, so I don't know if there's like a, any issues with it on anything else, but I haven't, no, I, I thought the game looks beautiful, and I'm going to New York this weekend, actually, so it's pretty cool to be playing this right now. I mean, I know it's not like a first-scale city, whatever. Anyway, but what I will say is I have noticed frame rate issues um, with my game. Have you mm. seen that, too? Barely. Yeah, There's it's only 
in certain moments. Um, it's, it's not, it's not a thing that's happening all the time for me. And it's not, it doesn't happen when it shouldn't happen. So for example, when you're gliding through the city, like there's no frame rate drops for me when I'm doing that, which I feel like is the best place to not have frame rate drops. Correct. Cause bleh, I feel like you'd get dizzy real quick. That's always smooth as butter. It's usually when I'm on the ground, if I'm in central park or something and there's a bunch of trees around or if there's a bunch of animations happening, I will say for how much this game has going on with it, I'm surprised at how well it runs. Yeah. Be, it's crazy. I've only run into a couple of bugs and they were mostly just minor annoyances versus anything crazy. Like, I think I texted you this. I was like, oh my God, Peter won't shut up about this one side mission that I completed, but he's mm-hmm. still acting as though he hasn't done it. So he just keeps repeating like this line of dialogue. And I was about to lose my fucking mind. <laughs> I was just like, shut up. <laughs> shut, shut up, Peter. No um, one cares. But like, that was the only like super noticeable thing. The other things that I have sort of like run into that again, I don't know if they were, I was talking, um, with Greg about it because he's also, he's also the only other person that I know have that's beaten the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, this particular fight felt long to me. Did you have that experience? And he was like, no. I was like, I just could, I just ran out of things to throw at this person. He was like, yeah. oh, weird. I had plenty. So like, I don't know if that was like a weird glitch or something. Cause I just found myself dodging like a uh, maniac like a woman. I was just <laughs> dodging constantly. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? I need something to throw at you. Can I please throw something at I you, I have sir? expended all of my gadgets and there's nothing left in this room. <laughs> Um, <laughs> now you just make friends and thumb wrestle. Yeah. But otherwise, for the most part, pacing uh, combat wise has been fine. I've found mm-hmm. uh, I it does obviously have strong Batman vibes, which I did. Yeah, me too. Uh, especially when you're perched up and you kind of like web a guy and tie him up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hells, yeah, I just want to run around and do this all the time. But then also... I feel like I enjoy punching people in this game more than I did in Batman. Oh, yeah. It's very uh, visceral, right? Yeah. The thuds and the thumps and the way the controller vibrates when you land that finishing blow. That's what she said. I find yeah, I find myself less less frustrated. I still have moments of frustration because everybody screws up the thing and you're like, gah, gah. but I, fi- I do feel like I have been less frustrated with Peter than I am with Bruce <laughs> at times. Yeah. Like, I remember, I remember being fucking livid and like not really mastering, being able to do the combos right for some reason. Like, I always just felt like Batman was super hard, even on normal. I don't know why. Uh, but I'm playing Spider-Man on normal and there have been a couple times where I've died. Not gonna lie, mm-hmm. but I'm not dying all the time. Yeah, the com- the combos seem intuitive. I feel like they make sense. You know, circle to dodge or slide under, then you push square and then you hold square to knock them up in the air. And it's like, yeah, I know what I'm going to do. And it just makes sense. Um, Something I want to go back on real quick is that if you read a lot, at least a lot of the reviews, actually, I did read these Spider-Man reviews. So I know I just said earlier, I can't remember the last time I read a review, but I did. Or maybe it was on Twitter. I read this. You already forgot it. (laughs) I think actually, you know, I think it was on Twitter that I was reading like Mm -hmm. the the tweet to the review. But every a lot of people are saying this game is awesome and it's wonderful and it's one of the greatest, if not the best superhero game ever made. By far, it's not perfect, though. And I think that's worth mentioning. Um, I guess and the reason I think at least I know why I'm holding it to such a critical standard is because I feel like 
the game of game of your discussion. It's Red Dead, it's God of War, it's Spider Man, right? Yeah. And so Well, there's no don't forget well, about a, Tomb Raider and some other things. Well, no, no, I'm talking for like the top three. Like yeah. the top like I love Tomb Raider and I might I'll probably well I might I might enjoy it more than some of the other games I've played, but I'm talking like an overall game of the year contender. In terms of buzz, those are the main three that people of, went talking about. Of buzz. Like personal game of the year could be completely and totally different. But sure. When you're talking about from like a, a critic standpoint or whatever, anyway, um, Spider-Man does have some issues that, again, I know this game is doing so much. And so this isn't a big knock on it at all. Cause like I said, this probably is going to be the first game I platinum because I love everything about it so much, but just like little things, like little animations, you know, if you save civilians who are trapped under a car and an EMT pulls up the, at least in my game, almost every time the characters who are coming out of the, the ambulance, they freeze momentarily and then they skate across to the accident, mm. which is like, again, not a big deal breaker, but I think I'm just looking at this from such a critical perspective because it is kind of like, you know, game of a year contender, which I can totally see. And I think it definitely belongs to be there. There are, are multiple lines of dialogue that I've heard so many times. I kind of want to rip my hair out. Yep. Um, I think that's and- the danger whenever you get to a world that that large That's is big. They can't that possibly dense. record millions of different lines because I understand like that's just not a reasonable thing to do. And it's just something you kind of expect. Like you said, when you play a game this large and I mean, there are, like I said, some technical hiccups. It sounds like Simer's had a few bugs. So again, I think just take that with a grain of Simer because this game is doing things. So many things so well that it's just, when you have a game this large, it's just one of those things you just kind of write off. Yeah. And I'll say I, I won't talk about specifics in the story, but I will say I have so far um, enjoyed it and I've enjoyed what they've done with the missions very much. It, it breaks it up um, mm-hmm. in a, in a great way. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to be so vague that I feel like I'm saying nothing, but uh, hopefully that makes somewhat sense. And <laughs> the, the character development is great. The people they introduce are great. It's acted beautifully. Mm-hmm. Those, situations are always animated very well i will say like to your point i think a lot of the side missions are sort of they're definite like i'll say c squad they're not even b squad like Mm -hmm. because sometimes their lips won't move like because i'll have that bug where it's just like them standing there and they're theoretically talking and then it'll catch up and then their mouth moves really fast um i avoid most of the crime things they just tick me off like I just don't like the idea of every radio call me needing to go do something because fuck you. That's why. And <laughs> I, so I haven't done like almost any of the ones you're talking about. I haven't mm-hmm. experienced like the ambulance of the thing. Cause like literally every time I have is like, whatever piece nope, I'm gone. I only do those when I need them. So here's uh if you don't really know much about the game in terms of how you upgrade, um, cause obviously it's a Spider-Man game. You swing around the city and you solve, or not solve, you fight crime. Um, mm-hmm. so the map is laid out and like, as you progress, different things will be added to your map. So things, uh, like bases or things like collectibles or, uh, like I've mentioned the radio calls for crime. And every time you do one of these things, you get a token and there's shit, five, set, six. Yeah. About that. Somewhere five to six. There. I don't remember the exact number. Uh, different types of tokens and when you uh unlock suits you'll need certain amounts of these tokens in order to craft them in order to craft upgrades and the suit in general um so that's kind of how it works these missions also give you xp 
which levels you up. As Spider-Man levels up, you have skill points that you then put into a skill tree. I'm level 41, and I have maxed out two trees. Hot damn, girl. You're much farther than I am. Um, And I think I've maxed... If I haven't maxed out two, I've definitely... Definitely maxed out one, and I'm very close to maxing out the second, and I have a decent amount on the third. So, like, uh, at some point, I'll have all the things if I keep playing this game. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice because you're incentivized to go and collect all the things that you can. And I, this game, playing this game has made me wish that I knew more about Spider-Man than I do. Because when I see little things, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I bet that means a lot to Spider-Man fans. And, oh, I bet when they see this, they're going to lose their shit. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of incentivized to start learning some of my Spidey lore, but I know there's so much. It would take me forever. Yeah, I had, to, I've definitely had to, I know a little bit about Spider-Man, um, but I had to like Google some people and be like, wait, who are Same. you? What's your deal? <laughs> Why are you relevant to this story? Yes. Um, I really yeah. do want to do a spoiler cast though, cause I really want to talk about the way they handle things. some of the things. Um, because I think the way that they do, I think, the beginning of the story, the pacing wise, it's kind of, here's how it goes. It's like, the beginning is a nice little, like, jog. You're going like five miles an hour. And then it kind of ramps slowly. And then I feel like this end is just, you're going at like 12 on the fucking treadmill. You're about to fall off. You're like frantically. You're just like, oh my god! But like, not in a bad way. Like, that's a good thing. Like, I think what they're doing is really interesting, and I think the way they've uh, crafted the missions makes it interesting too. Yeah, I love this game so so much. But that's probably all we can really say before we. I mean, unless there's anything else you want to say about it, but I mean, I feel like we've given this our WGG seal bando of approval. For sure. I just, yeah, I think if yeah. you enjoy superhero games, if you liked the Batman series, but uh, maybe it was a little dark outside for your liking, uh, Spider-Man should be right up your alley because it's always, it's not always daytime, but you actually do see the sun in this game, which is nice. I see the it's sun. Nice change of pace. Oh, this is a super minor thing, but I just want to bitch about it for a second. Please do. So uh, occasionally I will land in the water. Oh gosh. Spider-Man becomes a goddamn, like just a lump, a bump on a log. Like he somehow doesn't know how to <laughs> maneuver in the water. I get it. He's Spider-Man. He's not Aquaman. Sure, sure. But like know how to swim, Peter Parker. Yeah. No, no, no. Fucking the is... <laughs> move your ass. The swimming is real bad. He, he he's barely not even moves. swimming. He's like, it is so, that's to me is like the most annoying thing in the game because you knew there's water there. You knew I would probably accidentally land in it and therefore make him just fucking swim. Just make him swim. I'm yeah, sorry, you, but why you have I to can't, jump out and you have to web yourself out. But if there's nothing nearby for you to web out, cause I have sometimes fallen far from things, <laughs> then you have to slowly swim your ass near enough and then you can web yourself out and then you're oh fine. Oh my god. That's just a really, that's a really funny visual for me. I could just see you like swinging from a skyscraper and then holy shitting and landing like a hundred yards into the water and having to slowly and you're just, like, swim back. Slowly fucking paddling. Even in Central Park, I was like, for whatever reason, the game wasn't highlighting things that I could web to. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, motherfuck. Like I had to just, slowly swim in this stupid pond <laughs> and i was so annoyed i was like come on guys like 
you've done this all beautifully except for this one part and it's pissing yeah. me off and i i think I'm it's a it's, it's a good sign if that's the number one complaint right i have, have other a, complaints but they are so story like i yeah. did the thing to greg that i did to you and i'm just like what like here's my thoughts on the story because i have i have thoughts you have thoughts and feelings I do. and damn it samir you are entitled to them yes we have a couple dear wgg Patron questions. Sweet. The first one comes from Brian Gann, which rhymes with and because he finally corrected us. I mean, he's corrected us before, but we've gotten his name wrong a lot. Sorry, Brian. Brian says, it's Spider-Man week. And with it comes the expected high review scores and critical praise. All the glowing positivity was easily predicted, but that ease is actually the crux of my question. Do you believe knowing certain games will most likely be received really well and way in advance take off any surprise no matter how slight from the experience. Thanks again for taking my question. If you do and have a wonderful day to me, no, because I always, it's always every time a game grabs me and the way that it does, like in God of war after my ear infection cleared. <laughs> and <laughs> that's right. She was like, it's okay. I was like, it's no, I was like, this is a good game, but like, what what is everyone losing their shit about and then i continued to play it and was like oh and i think i think even spider-man has been kind of this way for me i'm like this is a good game but as you've mentioned like the world you're gonna feel samey right it's kind of Mm -hmm. it's a very formulaic open world that we've seen before so take that as it is um but what they've done with the story i think is sort of similar for me in, in god of war in that like yeah story starts out nice and then like it just dials it up and which is really nice. Um, so I feel like I've said nice too many times, but that's no, okay. no, it's, it's good. Take um, a shower time. She says nice. Ooh, a shower would be good, but a shot, not shower. Oh, also <laughs> take a shower every time. I got to pause the podcast. Take another shower. A massive waste of water. <laughs> I got to take a shower. It's my eighth shower of the hour. Yes. Oh my God, <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, so for me, I think it's always a pleasant <laughs> surprise whenever any game grabs me in the way that Spider-Man has. And, I was just thinking about it at work all day today. I was like, I just want to go home and see what's going on with Peter. <laughs> I like check in with him and make sure he's doing okay. I and like God Peter. of War was similar. Right? When I got to that point, I was like, all I want to do is play this game. And all I want to do is that's play this game. not every game for me. So yes, I understand that like this game was always probably going to get really great review scores, but that doesn't necessarily mean it resonates with you as a player. And especially for you, Britt, mm-hmm. I know you were kind of like, <laughs> I was, I was totally, it's the move off, um, about Spider-Man, like I just talked about a little while ago. So for a game like this, I was like, okay, it's, it's going to be a good game. Andrea said it's going to be a good game. She had played some of it before and you, both of you played at E3 and I know you would, all of us really, I was like, Resident Evil 2 game of show. You're like Spider-Man or Anthem. I said Anthem. Oh, okay. Never mind then. That completely ignored everything I just but said. Spider-Man Either way, is obviously up there. Yeah. So for me, I was even, so I trusted the opinions of my colleagues and my friends. So I went into it with the expectation that it would be somewhat enjoyable. So I was talking to Jason about this before I started playing. I said, this is the kind of game I'm going to play for four hours and be done with it, or I'm going to become super duper obsessed with. And thankfully it's become the latter. I think with God of War, 
I was also excited for that one, obviously, but I had never really been a God of War fan leading up to that. So even though everyone was saying, it's going to be so great, it's going to be so wonderful, like Samer said, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to resonate with you. Grand Theft Auto V, supposed to be a wonderful, fantastic game. I cannot get into it for the life of me. Same with the games like Metal Gear Solid games. So, so it just depends, right? Yeah, just because it's critically acclaimed doesn't mean that it's going to float everyone's boat. Flip it just everyone's switch. Sharpens it means everyone's that a, pencil. a lot of the critics can appreciate the effort and the um, results that the developers got. It doesn't mean that you everybody will find it enjoyable to play. Mm-hmm. And I think most of the surprise comes from story, character things. So yeah, which is why we've been like incredibly vague. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a lot of like really fun surprise and delight moments. Oh yeah. Next question comes from Nick. I just finished the Spider-Man book Hostile Takeover by David Liss, which, by the way, is the official prequel to Marvel Spider-Man. And I must say, I really enjoyed it. I was surprised it was not just a short comic, but rather a full-fledged book. 333 pages, if you're wondering. I was also surprised in the amount of detail about the story the book covers, which leads me to wonder how the game will handle some of the more important story plots. I would assume they would be revisited in some capacity via flashbacks, conversations, etc. This leads me to my questions. Did you like it, the book? have not read it, but I am kind of curious to go back and read it. And again, that's called The Hostile Takeover by David Liss. And number two, how do you feel in general about the story of a game basically starting before the game is even released, considering how many people will only play the game? That's kind of confusing. But what he's saying is, how do you feel about information regarding a game being out before the game release in form of books, comics, TV series, film, etc.? I'm fine with it because they're obviously not going to spoil what happens in the game. Because if they did, that would be real weird. Um, and it's just like, that is optional content. If you mm-hmm. want to partake in it, I think it's great that it's there. Um, it's good, just going to build hype. It's going to build you, uh, it's going to like build that relationship with you in this world because there are so many different versions of Spider-Man <laughs> that Spider-Man. I don't blame them for being like, no, this is our Spider-Man. This is how all of this went down. Um, and so I haven't read this either, so I can't speak to... Mm-hmm. any of this but i will say not knowing anything about it i'm still enjoying the game and not being a super spider-man fan i obviously know like a little bit about it but i don't think i've ever read any spider-man comics i've read some batmans uh teen titans like that kind of stuff but i i never really got into marvel comics very mm-hmm. much um so i will say if you aren't and you're like i'm not sure if i should pick it up I, if you just want to have like a fun superhero game, like this is definitely it. Yeah. And I think a lot of that also falls on the game to make sure that like with Spider-Man, we didn't even know there's an official prequel out there in the form of a book. Nope. And it no didn't idea. make a difference. I will say a game like Final Fantasy 15 that had the Kingsglaive movie that released before the game and watching that movie made the game make so much more sense. I feel like that's kind of when it becomes an issue. Um, yeah, you need to still tell the story well in the game. Like it doesn't, it shouldn't give you an right. excuse to be like, well, if you'd watch this thing, then you would get it. Like, no, that's bullshit. I paid right. for your game. Tell me a story that makes sense. Yeah, uh, for sure. And you and- can expand on it and you can do whatever you want in the, in the outer realms and like allude to things. That's fine. But mm-hmm. don't do that. 
Yeah, I think the more content, the better, as long as it, like Simon said, is optional and it's not required reading. And, you know, my Final Fantasy 15 example, I've talked about this at length, how it's not the best at the storytelling. It's, it was all convoluted and now there's the royal edition, which finally has all the extra chapters and things. That's an example of how not to do it. Yes. But with this, I think this is perfectly, perfectly fine. Yeah, this seems like optional content that is truly optional. And if you want to, you know, dive into the world of Spider-Man because you fucking love Spider-Man, go do it. Get on with your bad self. Get on with your bad self. All right. We have one more segment to go in this podcast, and it's going to be all about PAX West. What we did, what we played, our party, all of the good things. And we have some Turbo Patrons to read. Woo-woo. We'll be right back. everybody to the Wesley Games podcast. We're going to talk all about packs here in just a few minutes, but first we have some turbo patrons to read off. Simon and I are going to do the coordinated thing of switching off the names. Let's see how this goes. How many names we butcher. Yes. You ready for this? You ready for this? Sure. Oh my God. We're going to do it. Aaron <clears throat> Sexton. Adrian Arock Williams. Alberto Videla. Alex Regopoulos. Amar Dillon. Andrew Susan. 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 Anthony Murphy. Aurelia Furman. Ash Volcane. Bill Stilwell. Bill A. Shipley. Brian Harper. Brooke Lurie. Asia Harris. Love Carl you. Peterson. Kathy Lucas. Capdog. Chandler. Cool Rat Daddy. Christian Rodriguez. Dale Sun. David Icolucci. Dominic Weller. Donato Sinaccio. Sinaccio. You, you gotta put some heart into it. Sinaccio. Sinaccio the third. Dustin Lewis. E. Benjamin Chanakis. E. Irizari. Elizabeth. Irizari? I, I don't know. Sorry. Elizabeth sorry. Brooke. Our ma'am. Elmo Shell. Emily Kent. Ferris Atier. Flying Saucer Media. Geek Heart Games. Gio Corsi. Gregory Horton. Ivan Bejarano. Jared Howard. Jason Davis. Jessud Erickson. Jay Mahui. Jason Demers. Jennifer McNichol. Jesse Spencer. Jessica Salisbury. Joe. Joe Kennison. Joe Schleif. John Drake. Kevin Dunkel. Kevin Kamaki. Kia B. Kyle Heyman. Leviathan Masters Barella. Lewis Creech. Lincoln Davis. Uh, Lucas Cheney. Marcus Brown. Mark Trostrup. Martha Emery. Martin T. Esserud. Matt Howell. Matthew Godare. Melanthius. I'm so sorry. Melanthius? Yeah, I guess. Badass Owens. (laughs) Michael Shadows. (laughs) Muhammad Fahi Muhammad. Molly Bettner. Nam Bui. Nicole Humphrey. Ozzy Bachia. Paige Porter. Pete Shoemaker. Professor Metal Gear. My god, I love this one. Pure Blue Octopus. (laughs) RJ Bryan. Regan Ibsen. Ripped Gamers. Robert Herrero. Herrero. Roland Bala. Ross Haney. Ryan B. Sam. Shane Room. Simon Bergstedt. Sian Sian Stevenson. Steph Wu. Stephanie Fitzwilliam. Steven Insler. Sydney Carr. Tara Bruno. Teresa Yanert. Timothy Bennett. 
Tommy Larson. Tony Han. Trent Pennington. Trilla Snacky. Joyce Bradlin. Tyler McCall. Ferret Tanuda. Bahama, come on, pretty mama. <laughs> Zach Hershey. Thank you all so, so, so much for all of yes. your support on Patreon. We can't say it enough. We cannot do what we do without you. Now, that is true. We were going to do a dramatic reading by Christine, one Christine Steimer here, because she had found a, a, a novel, if you will, that she wrote as a wee lass. However, I think we're going to hold that's, on to that. That's got to be like a secret segment or something, because it's a lot. It's not short. This oh, is really? Not, this is not like five words to a page. This is like oh. some serious shit. See, because I, I, when I wrote stories back in the day, I just took some printer paper and I stapled the paper the pages together and I chicken scratched on like five pieces of paper. And that was my story. So most of my stories were, um, like two sentences a page. This one's not like those. This oh. one was like a project of some kind. Uh, and it's called just, just to like wet your appetite a little bit. Uh, it's called, there's a Puma in my closet. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we'll probably, I feel like we should probably just do like a secret segment on it or a, or a Patreon exclusive video on it or something. Oh my gosh. Um, I love it. I want to know like, why the fuck is there a Puma in your closet? So for some context, Pumas were our soccer team mascot. Oh, right, right, right. So. Okay. Well, yeah. I am very intrigued and I cannot wait to learn more. I am on the edge of my seat. So yes. Of you. All right. I will so- probably need you and like Andrea to help me. Read some of the voices too. I would. Lo- Can I do Muppet voice? Oh, oh, that hurts me right to my core. Oh, my heart. This is she a serious business reading, and I would appreciate want- it if you would take it. Seriously. She doesn't want my Muppet voice. What's wrong with my Muppet voice? Oh, wait, there's a puma in my closet. Boy, girls, now I'm a wait, British Now you're a Muppet. British Muppet. Oh God, we're going off the rails. Okay. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Jump! Hit the jump button! Hit the jump! So, like we said, PAX West was this past weekend. We had an absolutely wonderful time. We played a lot of games. but We did. Before we get to the games we played, Jake has a question for us. Okay, Jake. What's good, Britain Steimer? Now that PAX is over, could you share with us what was the best thing about PAX and make me feel bad about not going? Um... The best thing about PAX was clearly our party oh with Square God, Enix for Life is Strange Dose. That was so much fun. Yeah, so if you didn't know, if you have been living under a very large rock, we partnered up with Square Enix and Don't Nod to throw a Life is Strange 2 meetup at the Unicorn. We rented the whole place out, and it was an awesome turnout and so much fun. It was just, I love doing that. I think it's by far my favorite convention thing we've ever done. Not in the community meetups. We'll randomly host at these conventions yes that was awesome also our panel on sunday was really fun too that was a good time i had a lot of fun yeah we we had so much fun some people were laughing until they cried that's what they told us anyway maybe that was an ego boost but i'll take it i'll take it It was i wasn't i mean i was i was feeling a little off at eggs it was 10 a.m on the third day of pax was it the third day third day of pax yeah I had eaten something the night before that did not love me very much, and I did not love it back. And I was wondering, you know, if I was going to just sit up there and drool the whole time. But thankfully, none of us did that. None of us did it, and it was super-duper fun. Overall, it was just a wonderful, wonderful PAX weekend. So we talked a lot about these games that we played at our panel, so we're probably going to rehash some of the same stuff. But But, considering that most people did not see the panel. 
exactly. Like hardly anyone relative to the people who are hopefully going to listen to this podcast saw the panel. So we will True gladly, cat. gladly go over all the things again. So I will start off with surprise resident evil to you. Ho, ho. So, I go to sleep now. No, Simon, stay awake. I have things to tell you about poop bags. I don't want to know about the poop bags. But they're so interesting. So when I played this <laughs> at, when I played this at E3, I streamed with Capcom and therefore I got a longer demo. It was about 35 to 40 minutes, maybe-ish. And when you stream, obviously you can't play the game as you would play it when you're by yourself. So when I played with Capcom, I kind of had to go through the story beats and do the thing and actually progress toward a goal. But this demo at PAX was 15 minutes, and I told the Capcom staff, I'm like, I'm just going to sit down, and I'm just going to want, I'm not going to sit. My physical body's going to sit, but I'm going to run around in this game, and I'm going to gawk at everything, and I'm going to look at everything, because that's one of the things I love about Resident Evil, is the amount of attention to detail, and how every room tells a story. So for the first time, I got the chance to take a look, and I was a little curious, because I know Andrea had said that she thought the game looked good, just didn't look great. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to try to take off my fangirl visions here, my fangirl shades, if you will, and mm-hmm. see how it looks. I think it looks great. I wouldn't – like there's good, great, and then holy shit, amazing. I wouldn't say it looks <laughs> yeah, holy shit. Like, what's sh- the Brit scale here? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say it looks holy shit, amazing. Um, maybe that's in part that this game is all in the dark and there's not all these bright, vibrant colors because that's just not – a Resident Evil game. Or maybe that's an excuse, a crutch I'm leaning on. Either way, the game looks great, and the detail does not disappoint. So, going back to this whole poop story. So, in Resident Evil... I love Evil- that for you, this is what detail means. Please, please, please proceed. <laughs> so, in Resident Evil lore, Raccoon City, the police department, is kind of the last stand of the survivors in the city. The last unified stand. Um, and... In Resident Evil 2, in Resident Evil 2 on the PlayStation, you kind of get a sense of that, but obviously there are technical limitations and all the backgrounds were just sort of like pre-rendered. You couldn't really interact with them, blah, blah, blah. But in this game, obviously times have changed. And so you see little things everywhere that remind you that this really was a last stand for a lot of people and this is, things did not go well. And you can see that, you can see the desperation that happened there. So. I walked into the mayor's media room. I think it was, or he was, it's the chief, one or the other. There's a media room in this building and it's where all the press conferences were happening. And of course in the middle, there's a, a very badly fucked up body and there's blood strain. There's a blood trail leading like from a door it came from. But if you look in the corners of the room, you can see garbage bags piled almost ceiling high. And then you see these little tiny little bags next to said garbage bags that look like little doggy poop bags. And I know what these look like because I have a dog and he poops a lot. And I'm like, oh, I know what's in those bags because there's also toilet paper right outside the hallway. And putting all these little pieces together, I'm like, yes, you are telling me a story and I appreciate it. What, Simer? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> 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 I feel like you might be giving them a lot of credit for putting some toilet paper in a hallway and some no, and you're not bags listen, on the floor. You're not wrong. And it probably means a lot more to me because I know what happens in this game and i know the, the the items they specifically chose to put perfectly aligns with the game and the story and you can tell there was a lot of thought that went into the item placement at least like from you know what, what? Seen. they got a poop a lot we get those men some toilet paper <laughs> get them some dog style poop bags and you're gonna shit in a bag and you're gonna put it on the floor 
right in and someone's office where did where was this it was like a mayor's media briefing room or the uh, the chief's media briefing room somewhere where they the shouldn't be but again desperation does weird things and granted i've only seen a very 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 small piece of this game the opening maybe 30 minutes max so maybe as the further i go if i continue to see poop filled dog bags and toilet paper everywhere it's going to get old real quick and i'm gonna be like okay i was jumping the gun a little bit but i am going to remain i'm gonna put a brit filter on it and remain very optimistic that the level detail will continue to shine throughout the rest of the the levels in the game i mean i can't wait for you to tell me more stories about the next room that you see that has <laughs> a story with <laughs> has fucking canned tuna in it and next to that there's some <laughs> peanut butter or some shit i don't know like tell me the story but, of what this but, means but that means okay does that do you not care about those details because i really care i honest details. to god don't i'm like cool like there's toilet paper Okay, so maybe, okay, maybe that's the root of this is because I really care about those details a lot because I like to look at everything and kind of get the feel of the room, like what happened here. And that's probably why I'm really nitpicky about a lot of things I shouldn't be nitpicky about when it comes to details. In that's games. fair. You're allowed to do that. Yeah. Um, but I could talk about this all day, but we have a lot more to get to. Uh, we also, Steimer and I played a lot of games together. One of those was Boyfriend Dungeon. Andrea also oh, played yes. this, but she is not here, so... So Boyfriend Dungeon is the world's greatest game. (laughs) I love Uh, you. So this is a dungeon crawler dating sim hybrid, which I'm always down with. And the premise is that similar to Hatful Boyfriend, where you're dating a pigeon, but it's not really a pigeon. It's also sort of a dude. Um, You are dating your weapons, but they are also people. So they just have like a weird tick where they turn into a sword every now and then and then you use them to stab enemies and that's cool. They seem down with it. Um, so the characters that we saw, there was a, a lady that was daggers, a hot dude with flowing hair that was a scimitar. Sunder. Yeah, I think that was him. And, uh, then there was the other guy who, what was he? Was he just like a regular sword? I've already forgotten because I didn't use him. I only saw the two people. I saw the daggers and Sunder, the guy with the, the black flowy hair. Yeah. Those are the only two people I saw. Oh, too. oh, the other guy. Yeah. I don't know what he turned into. I know. I remember who you're talking about. Now. I don't the remember. There was, there all. were three like main people you could start, I think, romancing. And mm-hmm. then somewhat, uh, somewhere throughout the demo, which is pretty short. It's like 15 minutes. Um, you, ran into a different type of weapon. It was like a power sword. And he comes out and he's like, hey, thanks for releasing me, like genie style. And then he's like, by the way, want to get a coffee sometime, wink? And I was like, hell yeah, I do, because you're a power sword and that's fucking cool. (laughs) And I appreciate multiple things about this game. Number one, you can romance whoever you want. So right. no one's going to get mad that you're talking to other people. Everyone, it's very open here. They do not care. It's also very um, relationship open in the sense that that sounded exactly what I just said. But what I mean by that is like there's different types of relationships. Like there are ladies you can romance. There are dudes like you have your choice. Mm-hmm. You have lots of pickings. Do what you want to do. Um Go on with your bad so self. So then, yeah, go on with your bad self. Uh, even though it's called Boyfriend Dungeon, there are girlfriends as well. Um, and then how the other element that you kind of need to sort of strategize about is whether or not you want 
to semi-commit to one and level it up and get a super powerful weapon, because that's how your weapons level up, is by you, you going on dates with them. You could either do that or you could sort of play the field a little bit and have a, an arsenal of like medium powerful weapons, but you've spread out the love, if you <laughs> And also like during the dungeon crawling aspects, you will run into things. So it looks like kind of you're in a mall. And mm-hmm. as you go through, so there was like an ice cream shop, there was a fountain. You can select one of your weapons to bring out and to go on a date with there. So like you go on dates with them outside of the combat scenario as well, but you can also like go on mini dates with them in the dungeon. Yeah, you do. It's yeah, it's fun. It kind of has it's I don't want to compare it to Persona cuz it's nothing like Persona, but the sense that you have the day to talk to whatever sort you want and engage in that conversation. And then I don't know if it was just for the demo's sake, but after I had that one conversation with Sunder, I had to go to the mall and I had to fight some things. That was and- just yeah, I think that was the demo possibly. Yeah. Cuz I had Either the same way. thing. I had a, I had one conversation with the daggers lady and then I went to the mall immediately cuz there was something else to do. Yeah, it could be, or it could be that they don't want you talking to all of your boyfriends slash girlfriends slash partners and leveling them all up because you're swoo, you're wooing them. I imagine, yeah, there'll be some sort of a limit to that. Yeah. Um, because yes, otherwise you'd be like, I'll just level up everybody immediately. You level need to up. make that choice in this game. There are consequences for your actions, if Ooh, you will. <laughs> and I will. This game is being developed by Kit Fox Games and it is coming out in 2019. I'm excited. I think it looks cool. I like mm-hmm. the concept of it a lot. Um, so I can't wait to see more. They wouldn't say anything, but I really do hope that eventually this game comes to Switch because I think it would be perfect for it. I know. It really would. I feel like a lot of games would be perfect for Switch. Pretty much anything in that indie On mega Steam, booth. In that, yeah. <laughs> I was like, can you just make these all for Switch? Like, is, can a Nintendo representative just please come walk around and pick up all of these games? Thanks. Bye. Please, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, um, I'm gonna quickly touch on some of the games I played again. So I played Devil May Cry 5, also at the Capcom booth. This game is coming out March of 2019, and I had a good time. I was playing on baby ass baby mode. I think it's called auto locker, not auto lock. There's there's a mode where it makes it easier for you to pull off combos. Um, this is the first time I've actually played played a Devil May Cry game. The last time I played it was on PlayStation 2, and that was for maybe 15 minutes before I WTF'd and walked away for some reason. So I can't really speak to you about it as, as a Devil May Cry fan, because honestly, all I was doing was I, – all I knew is I had one arm, and then I was getting new arms, and I was sending those arms off at bad guys, and I was bashing buttons. But it was very fun to play, and Simon Nero is hot. Hot, hot, hot. Hot, hot, hot. Um, he's Hot, over, dog. He's, he's over the top. He's super sassy and it definitely kind of has that cheesy. It's very cheesy, but in a good way. Kind of, if you enjoy, I'm sure people, if, okay, this is going to sound dumb to some people. If you enjoyed Bayonetta, you'll probably like Devil May Cry 5. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, I like Devil May Cry way before Bayonetta was ever a thing. And I'm sure you did. But that's the best way I can kind of... I'm I sure kind of, you did. Good for you. But that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> that's the best similarity I can draw. I'm definitely interested in playing this. I think it has a lot of, like I said, cheese. And I'm all about that cheese. Cheese is I, delicious. Cheese is so good. I also played Hitman 2. This is coming out November of this year. And Oh, Hitman! The game I like- always really want to play and never find time for. 
No, and that's that's my thing too. I've always been really interested in the series, but I've never sat down to get to know the mechanics. And the demo just kind of throws you right into the middle of everything. And they're like, "Hey, here's a, a, a is it a, a mother, a father, and a daughter, or something like that? Go go murder them. They're bad people." And it's like a big go outdoor, them. like a big outdoor like NASCAR race. And there's a lot going on. A lot. Oh, of, you, you had know, the NASCAR level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't actually NASCAR, but it was something like that. Oh, yeah. Um, the yeah. off-brand NASCAR. Off, the off-brand NASCAR. Um, anyway, so I started playing. I started walking around trying to get my bearings, and then I realized I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And I was, so I was like, shit. So I turned around to a very, very kind developer whose name is Escaping Me, and I said, would you mind walking me through this demo? Because I've always been very interested in Hitman. I just don't know what can you do, what can you not do. And since I didn't get to start with the tutorial, I was like a fish out of water. Also, there is a gnat that is trying to infiltrate my face. I've um, noticed you like – Looking, looking like a, like a, there's, I knew there was a bug. I can't see it because it's that small. Oh my small. gosh. That but I know bastard. that look. I know that look, Brittany. It's oh the my look God. of get he the fuck to- out of my face, you stupid <laughs> bug. I, I'm going to be talking and he's going to fly in my mouth and I'm going to be very he's sad. He's not going to fly in your mouth. No, he might. Um, he might, anywho, but I doubt it. Yeah. I, and there's, there's ways that you can play this game that tell you where to go and what to do. And there's multiple ways of finishing each level. And so was, that was helpful for me because I said, okay, this is cool, but where do I go? I'm sure once you do enough missions, you kind of know what to do without needing your hand held. But there are, so there are those two ways that you can play the game. And I had so much fun. I had a lot of fun playing this. And all it took was a developer from the game to sit down with me and walk me through it for like 25 minutes. And maybe, I'm sure the tutorial system in this game will be super handy, but now I'm all in. I'm very, very excited to play Hitman 2. It's just so silly in the way oh, you yeah. can kill people. I lo- it, I, I've always called it puzzle murder. Yeah, that's such a good way of framing it. Puzzle murder. Yeah, you're like, how can I do this? I really like to try stealthy, like as stealthy as like obtuse as possible. I want no one knowing that I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um for in terms of other games until it all goes to hell and then you just kill everybody. You but that's not it. how these games generally work. So I'm very intrigued by the hitman. And what's nice about it too is you can save the game whenever you want. So if you're doing really good and you know you could screw up this next move you're about to make, just make a, make a manual save oh, and that's then you nice. can. It is really nice. And if the cameras spot you, the only downfall is you lose some extra points at the end or something like that. And so. Yeah, I, I like I like that you can um, save it whenever you want because that's something I need real bad. Steimer. Yeah. You and I also played Leisure Suit Larry, Wet Dreams Don't Dry. We did. And I Thanks think it's appropriate that... Haha, didn't... <laughs> um, I think it's appropriate that we talk about this game on episode 69. Yes. So I've mentioned this before on the on the panel, but I was like... I am just more generally surprised that this game still exists in this day and age. Uh, I think especially in the current climate and everything, like it's, it's not a bad thing. It's just a bizarre thing to me. I'm like, Oh, all right. Oh, okay. Um, Mm -hmm. so for those of you who don't know and are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, leisure suit Larry was a very, I assume popular, (laughs) I didn't play it. Uh, adventure game back in the early 90s when these sorts of, like, I guess late 80s, early 90s. And they were always extremely risque. They're all about dating and sex. This guy basically, this guy Larry is a horn dog and is just usually at a bar trying to get laid. That's, mm-hmm. that's the idea here. They're always super raunchy. Children should not play them. 
Thankfully, this was the one part where my parents successfully parented and did not give me this game. <laughs> uh, also, I don't know that I was super interested in it because the art, I was like, oh, that guy looks creepy. He is, he is effing creepy. And he, he is creepy. Um, they've modernized him a bit. I think the art itself is really pretty. I really it's like the drawn. art. It's all hand-drawn. It's beautiful. Um, so it's still an adventure game, still a point-and-click adventure game. I asked them about the puzzles. They said um, they want to have sort of the Sierra levity, I think is what they said, or I can't remember. They're like, basically, we want it to be a mishmash of a Sierra game and a LucasArts game, but the puzzles lean more LucasArts, which means, for those of you who have no idea what that means, LucasArts puzzles were always extremely obtuse. Like, random shit put with random shit that you wouldn't think would work, but just it, video game logic sort of. <laughs> no, do, is, you, do you like those kind of puzzles? Um, Monkey Island definitely was that. Uh, like, for instance, there is a rubber chicken with a pulley in the middle, and that's how you get across to and from oh. on this one certain area, which is like, what the fuck are you, what? Yeah. What? Um, and also, that's not how a zipline works. It wouldn't go both ways. It would only go one way. But cool. Uh, and so like, it's shit like that where it's not good or bad. It's just something you need to be aware of when you're going into it. Because if you're trying to solve puzzles logically, that's not gonna help you. The beginning we saw it, they were, it was sort of logical though, like mm-hmm, ish. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. So, but they said that it really ramps up in the later stages of the game to become more of that, what I would assume is like sort of batshit crazy puzzles. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But so the premise behind this particular game, Larry has been transported straight out of 1987 and is now in modern day world. So Mm -hmm. there are things like Instacrap and Farcebook and Mm -hmm. what's the other one? Gulp. What? Gulp, which is supposed to be like Yelp. Yelp. Uh, Unter instead of Uber. And... Uh, prune instead of apple, which the prune logo is shaped like a female body part. And a vagina. the building that prune exists in is a phallic building. A and penis. The top, I like that you're just using layman's terms. Uh, and then the top is got a fountain on it. Uh, I won't do that one. Yep. Yeah. So. This is the tone of game you should, you're, you, you're getting into. Larry goes into this. He's confused at the, the, with the demo we saw, he didn't quite understand what was happening. He doesn't know right. what year he's in. Um, he thought he just woke up after a night of a romp in the hay. And then all of a sudden it's a different world. So a whole new world was to a different light. That lady had a magical vagina, but so. <laughs> The, you, how it works is like you have to, in order to date this one girl who you take a shining to, she requires you on timber, yes, timber, to get 50 points or 90 points or some 90. points, 90 points, and therefore you need to date other women in order to get your timber profile points up, which is sort of ridiculous. But if you like ridiculous, raunchy humor, I, that definitely seems like it would be a thing you would enjoy if you're like this sounds fucking terrible then i think you know to stay away from it (laughs) yeah i i i am very excited to play this because i like that raunchy gross humor and i'm curious to see because like you said earlier fucking nat 
<laughs> he just tried to like get into my lip gloss i'm like what the hell are you doing sir your lip gloss uh, is popping it's popping it probably smells like fruits he wants yes. to get in anyway that's what she said um so i'm curious to see like you're saying back in those days it probably had a different level of raunch then that i'm assuming it will today it might be a little more tasteful i don't know either way i'm just really excited to play and see how they do this especially like i said it, it, it's a different it's a different age these days Yes, so I'm mostly curious, or not curious, but interested to play it because, again, I think the art's beautiful, actually. I think, um, and I also just enjoy adventure game puzzles, Mm -hmm. so I like having more puzzles to solve. But otherwise, I'm not, I know that we do the that's what she said joke. In general, I wouldn't say I love potty humor. It's not my favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not sure entirely how well i will get on with this game from that perspective but i definitely want to give it a try yeah i'm excited to play it and we can chat about it and see how we how we feel so this game is that bug is going to be the death of me uh, being developed by crazy bunch and it's coming out november of this year stammer yeah we also played a game called fogs which stands for dogs and physics physics together yeah so it's like cat dog and this is um developed by bitloom also coming out this year and think of it as cat dog but instead of a cat and a dog it's It's two dogs dogs. and if you don't know what cat dog is you're probably very young so think of it as envision a a wiener dog but where the dog's butt is it's another dog head yes that's fucking nailed it that's That's exactly what it is is. and so it's a physics platformer and it's oh my god it's bug Sorry, I'm losing my mind You're over just here. freaking out. It's no No, because it keeps like flying up in my face. <laughs> Try and kill it. I pissed it off. Now it's trying to dive on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's a physics platformer game and we played it cooperatively. In fact, we played it in the way that Samer held the left side of the controller and I held the right side of the controller yep. or vice versa. Yep. But you can also use two controllers to play this. And so you are this, this fog, this dog, two-headed dog thing. And you can stretch your body out. You can grasp things with your mouth and you can move around. And I think that's basically it's pretty much it. it. It's very simple, it. very simple puzzles. Yeah. Very I think they, puzzles. I believe they said this was designed with more families in mind with you playing with a child. Definitely. And it's very pastel looking, very cute. The puzzles aren't overly difficult. Um, Steimer and I finished all the ones, and I think that speaks volumes, you know. We didn't finish all the ones in the game, to be clear. We finished the ones oh, in, yeah. in the demo. Exactly. Yeah, thank you for clarifying. We finished the ones in the demo. It was cute. I don't know if this is something I would ask Jason to play, I but I don't know. It, w- it was cute, and you got to appreciate doing something different like this. Yeah, and I think if you if you do have a family and you're like, I have nothing to play with my children, this is a great option for you. Yeah. A show so fox keep an eye out for it it's pretty cute and fox is spelled p-h-o-g-s just FYI. yes thank you so i played a strange game called world of horror which sounds like something i would totally love and i kind of am into it this is developed by pants okay i'm gonna butcher this p-a-n-s-t-a-s-z pants pants and- just call it pants pants and isbird games and I'm just going to read the blurb because I don't know how to describe this game. It's people, I guess, would call it a one bit game. So here's the blurb. The blurb. A one bit? One bit. 
Experience the quiet horror of this love letter to the works of Junji Ito and H.P. Lovecraft. World of Horror is free of typical jump scares, relying solely on its unnerving environments and amorphous... Amorphous? Amorphous, Amorphous, yeah. Amorphous. Terrors to create a gnawing sense of dread. Complemented by haunting chiptunes and a one-bit art style with a variety of available palettes, World of Horror presents a series of frightening and unsettling accounts that linger well after stepping away. So Junji Ito is a Japanese horror manga artist, and I'm sure if you were to Google his name, you would see stuff. And he's very talented, and it's incredibly freaky stuff. So you, my understanding is that the old gods are pissed off, and you are, if you can play several different characters, and you have to figure out what's happening, what's going on, and why, of course. So you start the game off, and you are a student, and you are in a school, and it's the the UI of it is just one screen. There's no moving around in the sense you don't see you don't get to actively walk around. You see on the bottom of the screen is the text box where important stuff happens. On the right is your inventory. In the <clears throat> the left is where you decide what your next action is, and it all plays out on that screen, including the battles. And I really enjoyed it. It's coming to Switch. And which is the perfect platform for it. And so what I did is I had to explore different areas of the school. So you had the option to explore the library. And then after that, you had the option to explore the gym. And then something happens. There's typically a, a, a fight of some sort. And you have to queue up your actions when you fight before you can fight. So, so it's, it's like turn-based, but you pick your moves before? Yeah, it's like turn-based, but you pick up to three or four moves before. Now, I only got maybe 15 minutes with this game and it was several days ago so my memory's a little rusty but what i will say it's just definitely freaky it's definitely interesting and i am very very into it and when it comes to switch no release date yet but if it sounds like something you might be into just like give it a quick googly search and then you'll probably know instantly if it's something you'd like or not like i just want to figure out what the hell one bit means oh god this bug um can we name this bug Something, a name that's really irritating to you because it's Bartholomew. Okay. Bartholomew okay. the gnat. Bartholomew the gnat. Bartholomew the gnat. So what, well, yeah, check it out. Black and white. Looks for, it looks something you play on an old Macintosh system. Thank oh, you. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, does that make yep. more sense? Yes, it does. Cool. All right. Next up, Steimer. We played the Blackout Club. Speaking of freaky deaky games. Oh my is, god, I kind of hate you for taking you to this game. <laughs> this is a game being developed by Question, former Bioshock and Dishonored devs coming out in 2019. Thank you for coming with me to this too, Steimer. I, you're such a trooper. <laughs> I was like, I really don't want to be here. I don't like scary games. And I was, I was the only one in that room, like screaming, not screaming, Terror, no, you were yelling. I was, yeah, I guess, yeah, screaming is the wrong word. I was yelling. Um, so here's how this game plays out. You, uh, how they described it was Stranger Things meets Left for Dead. So sort of like that. So you are children in a town, um, and some weird things are happening that you start to notice. So the adults in the town just get up in the middle of the night and start wandering around and have some of them. There's like different types of neighbors, I guess. Cause these are all yeah. technically people in your neighborhood, uh, which is why you can't actually kill anybody. Cause you, it would make no sense if you were killing your mom or your neighbor. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but there are a lot of the people have veils over their faces, but they'll hear you. So it's sort of like a clicker from last of us. Mm-hmm. So they have audio cues only. So if you make a lot of noise, they'll come after you. There are others that I think they called seers, but I, I could be making that up, mm-hmm. but they do have full use of their eyes and will just come running at you if they see you. So there's up to four player co-op each Kid has like their own specialty that you can pick, uh, from these decks of cards basically at the very beginning of the game. So I could choose to be somebody that takes down people very quickly. And by take down, I mean like just knock them out. They're not dead. Um, you can run much faster. You can like build into sprinting. You can be the person who's like hanging out on the roof with a drone trying to scout for people. You can, what was the last one? I forgot the last one. The drone. You no, I said, one. I just said the drone. No. Literally just said it. I'm, you know, I don't know how to come or go in these days, Timer. You gotta be patient <laughs> with me. I don't remember the last one, but there's another thing you could do. Yeah. Um, and so you each can take on your sort of role. And what we were trying to do in this particular demo, oh, sorry, there's another note. There's also something that comes around. It's called the shape. So you cannot see the shape unless you Close your eyes in the game. Obviously, in real life, you would see, see nothing. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Uh, so in the game, you hit a button. I forget which button it is, but it quote-unquote closes your eyes, which then means you can see the shape. Uh, the shape will go after the person that is doing the best in the demo, or not in the demo, in the game. Um, and so once they the shape can like hit a person, I think up to two times, maybe three, uh, so if they, if somebody gets caught by the shape, they, you need to have somebody else go over and like snap them out of it. Cause the shape essentially puts you into some sort of trance similar to how the rest of the townspeople are acting. And the whole goal is to just find evidence, figure out what the hell's going on and then get it back to quote unquote headquarters. Who knows who headquarters is? Maybe they explain it at some point, but, um, so that's kind of like your recon mission. So you all leave from one spawn point together and then you're trying to collect the data and you're trying to head back to that point so that you can get picked up and leave. Um, which is also sort of weird because you live there, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, video games. So I, I ran into the shape, the shape, the shape ran into you. Well, yeah, that's probably what happened. I was trying to sneak into a house and I caused too much noise and I was fighting an adult and then the shape. So, you know, when the shape is coming, cause like, I think you said this time where the corner gets destroyed. Oh, I didn't. So, so okay. that's how you can tell it's coming. If your eyes are open. Yeah. Like right. the, the screen has like a red blur to it and that mm-hmm. shows you the direction that it's coming from. So if right. you were to turn and then use the close your eyes button in that direction, you could hopefully see it and then you need to sprint and get the hell out of there. Get the hell out of there. So I cost, I'm really bad at stealth and I cost too much noise around one of the, the clickers of this game, if you will. And I got all caught up and I was running and frantic and the shape was like, Oi, Gov, I'm going to eat you. I don't know if he's Australian or whatever. I hope he talks whatever. like that. <laughs> I guess I wouldn't be so scary. And the next thing I know, my screen just goes completely black and I'm like, Oh no, I'm being devoured by the shape. And it was black and remained black and was continued to be black. And then the developer, I think it was like the head writer, whoever he was, came by. He's like, oh, that's not supposed to happen. 
And then he looked on Steimer's screen, and she could see me in her game because we're playing on two different screens. I was being choked out, choked to death, eternally, forever. He, she was just in, a, yeah, in, a, in an eternal chokehold. So what had happened was they were like, "Oh, you've been caught by the shape." So I try to go to Brittany to try and like snap her out of it, right? Because that's what they said to do. You can go help your friends. Um, so I'm headed back to help Brittany and I keep bouncing off the shape and like taking damage. And I'm like, ow, what the hell is happening? And they're like, wait a minute, close your eyes. And so I closed my eyes and the, sh- the shape's just there choking her. So that oh. meant that I didn't have to worry about the shape in the demo. So I got to sort of, but I still got caught like so many times by these townspeople. <laughs> I screamed bloody murder when they did. It's so I was funny. like, get off me, get off me. This is Don't- why I love bringing her because there was like four or five different stations and the horror Everyone's games quiet. Quiet. the best. Everyone's quiet, like super into it. And now Steimer and I have been told many times during the multiple demos we've done together that we are oftentimes the more most entertaining duo. I mean, if you listen to the show, you could probably understand why we're very weird and loud and crazy. <laughs> And so she, everyone is so quiet in this demo. And then there's time going, ah, ah, get off of me. What are you doing? Get off of me. What are you, get off of me. And the, the guy who was helping us in the demo, like, I think he even put his hand on your shoulder and he's like, take a breath. And I was like, then. don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. She was wound up pretty tight. That's what she said. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, leave me alone, man. Like, you're the one who made this game. You got all these things coming after me. Don't be like telling me to calm down when you built this to, to uh, rile I think, me I up. think he was legitimately worried for your, for your mental sanity. I wasn't going to have a heart attack. It's okay. Well, like, kind of, people don't know you. But then, like also, um, so like, as I was caught, you have basically like a last, if you, if they drag you near a garbage bag, you mm-hmm. can throw it at them and get out of it, which I had, I did two to three times because I just kept getting caught. Um, and then I would try to run away, but my sprint bar was so depleted by that point. Cause I think when you take health, it reduces your sprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I did make it. I like got the evidence. I got everything I needed from that house, made it back. And then it was like, everyone must be here in order to proceed. I couldn't join you cause I was being choked for the rest of my life. And I was I didn't like, know if it well, was life at that point. So well, like the thing that made the game easier also made it impossible to complete so yeah so this game obviously yeah coming in 2019 it's still obviously early they i think was it them that said they're treating this almost like a open like a a beta test of sorts because they're finding all these new all these new bugs so it's obviously rough early but if it sounds like something you might be interested in it's a game you should definitely yeah check it out i played left well i didn't play actually i watched a short demonstration of left alive by Square by Square Enix, this game is supposed to come out this year. That can't be right. I have 2018 <laughs> written down, but I'm like, there's like, no, what? <laughs> there's no way. So I didn't know a lot about this game going into it. Um, it's let me look it up. It's based off of um another f- franchise that's been around for a while, Last Frontier or something. I don't know. Simmer, so see me some jingle music while I like this. Oh, up. do 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 do. do. Okay, front. Okay, yeah. So it's set in the front mission universe, and that means nothing to me. So I'm not going to pretend like it does. <laughs> but I know for some people that means something. And you play as three. I want to say it's three different characters, and choice is very important in this game in the sense that you try to help everybody, all the characters you come across survive because then you'll see what happens to them in the end game. 
that's kind of the message that was pushed to us. I don't know the significance of that. I don't know if that means you're going to get a better ending. But the, I'm hesitating because I don't know. Okay, this game is very strange. So think of it as a, a third-person cover shooter game where, you know, there's waist-high walls everywhere and you bend down behind it and you pop up and you shoot. But there's a lot of crafting in this game as well. So one of the levels we saw showed one of the women and she, one of the women and she needed to escape. But in order to do that, she had to craft a lot of stuff because she didn't have anything on her. So the, this demo was showed, was just being shown to us so you could see the amount of crafting and the things you can do. She crafted a beacon that showed the enemy's location. I think she crafted grenades and other things. So, okay, there's crafting. And then it showed another demo where you are speaking with a father and a daughter and you try to convince them to get the hell out of Dodge because there has been an unexpected attack on the city. And you're like, please save yourselves. But the dad's all stubborn. He's like, no, I'm not going anywhere. And the daughter's like, well, maybe we should consider it. And then if you play your cards right, you can convince both of them to leave. If you say the wrong thing, you know, maybe one will leave or no one will leave. So there's that element of it. And it was multiple different choices that you could make. So it's not just like a, you know, yes or no. The next part of the demo we saw was when there were hostages and there were the bad guys pointing their guns at the hostages and they're like, we're going to shoot your head off in 10 seconds. So, okay, that's your cue. You can either let the bad guys shoot the hostages or you can intervene and try to save the hostages. And then there are mech battles. Okay. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Out of everything you just listed, that was not the thing. If you were like, what? <laughs> Like one of those logic puzzles where it's like, okay, this is to this and this is to this. I would not have fucking picked mech battles. Mech. And the mech, the mech actually was probably like the best looking part of this game. So I'm not trying to sound down on it. This game is just, from what we saw, very early, very rough. I'm honestly a little, I'm wondering why they showed what they showed already. I feel like the information they're trying to give in this presentation would have been better off in a press release or in something because it just, when I saw 2018, I said, no way. There's no way this is coming out this year. I hope it doesn't because it clearly needs more time. And trying to release among super polished juggernauts that we're getting this fall is just, like, not a good idea. I'm not saying I'm writing this game off. I very well could enjoy it and get back to it. But it's definitely something that I just need to see a little bit more and a little bit some better things from it. Yeah, that's fair. There we go. There we go. Last thing I played by myself Pathfinder Kingmaker. So this is developed by Alcat Games, published by Deep Silver, coming out actually in just 20 days from today, which is September 25th. And this is a game I am all over 100%. I believe it was kickstarted. They raised about $900,000. I'm sure that wasn't all of the game budget, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, very, uh, it looks very old school CRPG, very, uh, Dungeons and Dragons-y, very deep divey RPG nerd-esque computer game and i'm all about it it's very you can get very in the weeds with how you want to play your character how you want to design your character you know you have the dialogue you have all the party members i was just talking about spellforce 3 not that long ago and it's kind of giving me the same sort well crpg vibes so if that's something you think you could be into definitely look it up look it up it's a good time Except cool. I only had 20 minutes with the demo of it, and 20 minutes for a game like this barely gets you through, like, the character creation. And I was like, no, dude, I need more time. Please. I but need, yeah. like, at least two hours. Okay, thanks. Bye. Oh, at least. All right, Summer. We have two yeah. more games to talk about. Indivisible, Lab Zero Games. Uh, Let's talk about Bless Unleashed, only because it will be shorter. Okay, you want to save you want to save the big we'll one save for the last. long one That's for the last said. one. Okay, so Bless Unleashed is Bandai Namco's latest MMORPG. It's coming to console. I think we were told February 2019. That seems way too soon. 
it does. And I remember we both walked out of that demo being impressed with the combat that we saw, but the release date, we were just thinking there's no way. Well, I mean, well, the trick is that we only saw a combat demo. We right. saw no systems. We saw no world. I have no idea how this game works other than the combat. Um, and that obviously is an important part of an MMO, but that's not the only part of an MMO. In fact, it's, you've got quests. You've got still like, story, like there's so many, que- I had left that demo being like, I have so many questions. I don't even know what the purpose of this demo was other than to be like, we have character classes. Here they are. And here's how mm-hmm. combat feels. Um, yeah. which, and they didn't even necessarily go into like, I don't know if I can customize this class in any way. I don't know if this is just what I get. Like it's this or nothing. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know anything. I have so many questions. I don't yeah. know how gear works. It was, yeah, we, we walked into the room and there were just, you know, maybe like four demo stations and it was just Simon and I, and they said, okay, these are the classes. Pick a class you want. I was, um, you were the berserker, uh, berserker, which is basically were... a two-handed major DPS character. There was mm-hmm. sort of a paladin-ish character to her right, <laughs> which was, I can't remember what they called it, um, mm-hmm. but sort of like a tank. Yeah. Then I played the ranger, which was uh, a ranged character with a bow and arrow. No pets. Yeah. Saw no pets. No pets. So it was just a combat demo, which is I mean a little unfortunate because I we thought actually it was going to be an hour long demo. Yes. Which would have made sense for an MMO, but it only took us maybe like 10 to 15 minutes. But what I want to say is when it comes to MMOs, I'm usually turned off because I don't like how repetitive the combat is or I don't like how it's just you tap a button and you hope for the best. This definitely was not that. This was you had to be very um, quick with your fingers. And you had to like do the button combos and you had to be on your toes, which I really appreciate. So that rubbed me very well. I don't know. Is that the opposite of rubbed me the wrong way? It rubbed me very well. <laughs> it did a good job rubbing <laughs> it me. It did a good job rubbing me. Um, I had sort of a different experience playing the ranger. It didn't feel difficult because I could just snipe from afar. Oh. Um, and I was still dodging. Now, I will say they they leashed it for sure. Like, I couldn't snipe from super far away. I did have to get up to a certain point before my shots would actually hit. Uh, and do damage to the character. So you couldn't like super cheese it, but it was definitely, I didn't feel, I don't think I did any combos. I literally just uh. like, like shot them over and over again and then dodged when I needed to dodge and I made it through just fine. Um, so I wasn't as impressed. It wasn't bad by any means. And yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's nice to have decent action combat in an MMO cause you're going to be doing combat a lot um but i just had way too many questions about this game leaving it and it kind of made me wonder why they even bothered showing this little bit like show me show me a vertical slice what does it Mm -hmm. look like when i walk into a hub what does it look like if i if i can i customize this class can i not i don't know um what does it look like when i get a new piece of gear they i don't even think they had any drops no no it was just pure you know you did like four or five little mini bosses and then you got the big boss in the end and that was that was it so yeah i mean i'm with you simer it, it, i have a lot of questions i will say because of the combat i did enjoy it and i i like console mmos i think if they could be well done like that's the end of my life because i love mmorpgs and but i just don't like sitting on a computer all day so if that ever comes to a console and it's well done this is a good first step. The combat looks great. But like you said, way too many questions to be able to be like, this was wonderful and awesome. Yeah. But it's on my radar now for sure. 
Yes. Now, something that I did that we did see that I am stoked about is Indivisible. And I wanted to end on this one because I think it's really fucking cool. Um, So this is like a side-scrolling sort of platformer, but also very combat-heavy sort of a game. Um, So I get like a... There seems to be collectibles in that kind of nature, so it's a little bit... Oh, my God. I'm blanking on the term. Uh... Like an Ori in the Blind Forest. What do they call that? Metroidvania? Metroidvania. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a, it seems to be a little Metroidvania-ish. What I really like about this character, though, is the art style and also the character designs. So the main character design is kind of whatever. But the other people that join your party are so cool. Like there was... Yeah. I already forgot her name. But there's this lady with like really super badass gray fake nail claws she, she's and she not has a, a dead tiger like on her head like it's her robe yeah yeah she's, she's a very witchy vibe she's not a witch though but she's something like that like a priestess of some kind yeah she's so a and weird she, tiger priest. and she has the greatest personality too the banter between all these characters is really good yes the dialogue is great the character design is really strong i think like each character you kind of like oh that's interesting what's their deal mm-hmm. um and the combat itself took me it's still like i still feel like this is going to take me a little while to get used to it's sort of action turn-based so what i mean by that if you've ever played child of light that's the closest thing i can kind of think to so you have a um i'm trying to i'm trying to think of how to describe it so you have a battlefield like you do your enemies go on your right you go on your left each character in your party has a face button assigned to it so um x triangle whatever uh, that shows below your character and like a little circle will fill until you can hit that button. Once you hit that button, you can just hit the button and it will do a basic attack or you can hit up on the D-pad and that button and it will do a different thing or you can hit down on the D-pad with that button and it will do another thing. The and prob- you block, right, also by holding that button. You can block using that button or the much easier way, which they only told me way later, is to just hit the left bumper. And the left bumper, oh, everybody right. blocks. And I was like, why didn't you just tell us that? Anyways, um, I was like, that should be in the tutorial, not this bullshit of you hitting the same button. Why would you do that? Just hit the left bumper. Well, because, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, so, pro tip, do that. Uh, anyways, um, so that's sort of how it goes down. And then as you're fighting, a meter fills. And once that meter fills, you can do a special move with one of those people. And I, I think it's a... I forget how you trigger. I forget the button combo. But um, so, for instance, one of the people's special moves is you heal and revive other party members. I forget everybody else's, but mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, the only problem I see is that you're going to have to memorize these moves because if you don't remember what up and triangle does for this specific character, you're, I mean, you're, you're just you're not screwed. But like, it's going to be a lot I'm harder deal with combat's just gonna be harder to go through um and they, would, they, they, real quick the guy who is helping us out did say they're working on their ui because i think that's uh yes. an issue that it's a very valid one because when like sam was saying that's just for one character you have four characters with you so every there's a lot of stuff going on and i'm really bad with combos so i would really appreciate a ui that's like hey do this do yeah that. um yeah because it would suck if it's like just memorize everybody's arsenal and what up does and what down does. 
Mm-hmm. And then also what their special move does. I feel like if it came to that, I would probably just try to memorize the special moves for everybody and just be like, fuck it. I'll just at random hit up or down on the D pad and like <laughs> and hope for, for the, the best. best. <laughs> but this, no, this, the, this, this game does look really cool. The music was really beautiful as well. Um, I think I also asked about this on the switch, but I don't think they had it is coming to switch. Is it? It's on. Yep. They had little flyers by the sweet. I couldn't remember because so many of the indie games we asked, they were like, we don't know. And I was like, um, but please, please. (laughs) Yes. So this, uh, looks great and I'm excited for it. It does. It looks really good. I was a little like typically that art style is a turnoff for me, but watching you play it and actually playing a little myself, I'm like, okay, I can, I can get behind this. It's, I, it's so pretty. It is. And I like how the combat is so different than what we're used to in games like this. And the characters, got, like you mentioned, like they're so fun and they have great dialogue. Oh, yeah, they do. So, And there's over 20 characters, I think, confirmed. And I believe they said they have partnerships with other franchises coming into the game that you'll be able to unlock. So that was a concern of mine, too. You know, if you have all these characters, are they just going to be boring, one-sided, like, slobs of meat or whatever the heck these characters are made of? They're not humans. Anyway, but watching them interact together and, like, you can already see their little personalities coming through, especially the one with the, the crazy fingers. She was trying to force our main character to eat something she didn't want to do but she's really persistent really quippy with her remarks and it was just really well written and i agree this game looks great coming out when's it coming out 2019 sweet sweet well holy crap simer yes i think we covered all of the pax west games that we played yes we did we did the thing pax west is officially in the books and now man like you said there's not a heck of a lot coming up now no, just video games to play, which is great, video, which is wonderful. Just, this we, is the time of year where you like cozy up on your couch, you get some cocoa or some cider, and you just whiskey. play video games. You can spike either of those things with whiskey. I'll spike cider. Anyway. I, I think would be better with whiskey than a hot chocolate. I have been really craving fall. I've I love Washington, but we had a very hot summer, and I am not accustomed to that. And I am very excited to wear sweatpants and wear baggy sweatshirts and cozy up in a blanket and not have to worry about my recording room being a stifling 90 degrees on specific days. Fall's going to be great. We are getting together, ladies and gentlemen. This is way down the line, but I feel like I'm not going to be on the show for a while, so I feel like I have to cover my base. Um, October 26th, 27th, well, one of those days will probably be our happy hour Q&A and our live streams. So if you want to get on the ball. Mark that shit down. Yes. Simer, we have done episode two of the Britain Simer Show. Yes, we have. Also episode 69 of the West Good Games podcast. Hell yeah. We did it. Nothing broke. I'm very proud of us. We did the thing. We did the thing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to our shenanigans. We had a great time. Andrea will be back next week. I will be gone for our next week's show and the following week's show in Europe, but I will be back after that. Thanks for listening, and we will see you soon.